So I think this uh, show will be a little different than others in that we are covering, get this, some Toyota content. What are you talking about? We cover Toyota all the time. We just no. talked about the Lexus GX550. A little bit. We just talked about the Toyota Land Cruiser. A little bit. We just talked about Quinn at 74 Welds, Portal, Axle. When you say built. just, that was 20 episodes ago. No, it wasn't. It was like eight weeks ago. And that was about as Portal's not about the Toyota it was on. Ish. <laughs> exactly. Ah, yeah. We do no. Toyota owners dirty. No. We just do. No, you do because you hate them so much. Oh, that's you. What are you talking about? I, I love me Toyota. some Toyota. I, what? I love Toyotas. In fact, if somebody showed up in my driveway with a set of keys uh-huh. for a 1985-22RE fuel-injected unicorn solid axle extra cab. Oh, you got a lot of bed, four free by qualifiers four. there. I would be all about that. So you're saying if I pulled up with a 2023 Forerunner TRD mm-hmm. Pro, you'd be like not interested? Oh, you mean the one that has better uh, approach departure uh, angles than the new Land Cruiser? That one? Yeah, <laughs> they could be fine with it. Uh, okay. TRD Pro, no problem. So I was. Why, up why at- are you trying to frame me as a Toyota hater? Because you are. No. I've never been a Toyota you, hater. You love the fact that they don't have box frames. No. <laughs> Are you done? Yes. I don't like the fact that the uh, Tacoma is so long in the tooth it has rear drum brakes and rear seat channel frame, and I don't like the seating position where you're sitting down on the floor. It's just funky. And that truck is old. And it's like the only thing I hate is that everybody who goes out and buys one, they're like, Oh my God! Come on, enough it! And then you go on the forums, and they're like, "Dude, this thing gets horrible fuel economy." Oh, I can't fit more than thirty fives on it. This is bogus. Oh, dude, my steering broke. Oh, oh, oh! But I bolted every Farkle available known to man on it, and it weighs eight thousand pounds now. It's so funny. I've had three friends buy Tacomas. Mm-hmm. All of them sold them. New, really? Within the last two years, they're like, "Yeah, that that was not a good truck." Listen, it's way underpowered. And then you put, you figure out how to get 35s under it, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden that 4-liter just not hanging it's, Well, it's because yeah. it has the old 5-speed, uh, or at least on the 4-liter, it has the 5-speed transmission automatic. I think the I think the Tacomas have a 6-speed now. Okay. So that helps. But, you know, everybody else is bumping up to more gears, which help. I don't hate them. Uh, actually, I really like the 4-runner, especially the 4-runners with coil springs in the back, you know, and the t- going to your point, the TRD Pros. Uh, those things are really fun to drive in the dirt. My knock on Toyota is the nannies. But if you can build one the right way and you know a shop, which we happen to know a shop, Toyotas can be pretty badass. Funny that you say that because I checked in with Stellar Built in Sacramento, California See, one a of couple the premier weeks ago. Toyota building shops in the entire country. They are. And mm-hmm. I think you guys will uh, enjoy it even if you're not into Toyotas. Uh, I think anytime we interview a uh, shop at the top of their game, regardless of platform, is is a great opportunity for the listeners to hear what successful shops do. And I think it's cool. And speaking of top of their game, dude, Truckhouse. Another uh, brand that launched with the Toyota Tacoma-based product, but they're moving on to uh, Ram AV uh, Prospector XLs. This is not a company that makes like a camper shell that just fits in the bed. This is the whole back half of the truck. And it's one piece made out of carbon fiber. It's like an earth roamer or something like that. And we talked about them when the Tacoma build, the uh, BCT, was released a few years ago. And I thought, oh, these guys are way overloading this platform. I can't believe they're going to break that poor Tacoma in half. And it turns out they're actually legit and fully engineered and, and super lightweight. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you were super anyway, wrong. But Holman I wa- ate crow. I've wanted to have them on the show for Say a while. I ate crow. 
Nope. And uh, I've been wanting to have him on the show for a while. And when the uh, the Ram Prospector XL, the new BCR, was uh, announced, I'm like, oh man, this is super cool because it's a, a it's really a chassis that's deserving of their habitat that's on the back. I think it's 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 a really great choice for people who want to have that overland camping vehicle, but they don't want to step up to like a F450, 550 massive, like global expedition vehicle. They want something domestically that'll fit on the trails. Yeah. Yeah. And still park at Home Depot parking lot. So we're going to have Matt and Nico on from Truck House and then let them talk uh, us through their their business model and their technology and some of the really cool stuff they're doing for for the ramps. And I think one of the reasons that I'm interested is because they're young and entrepreneurs. All right, Lightning, before we start the show, we got to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor, who uh, delivers trucks to my house on a regular basis because they love the Truck <laughs> Show Podcast. Spoiled little brat. They love, uh, they love me. Yeah, I know. Well, I have been driving this uh, 20 Titan that I've uh, had for a while now, and uh, it's got almost 30,000 miles on it. But How many of those 30 awesome. have you put on? Uh, in the last uh, five or six months, uh-huh. uh, you know, ten or something. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been that bad. It has been my daily though. I but, know. But here's the thing: is the Truck Show podcast. We always talk about the brand new trucks, but we never go back and be. And we're like, well, what's it like with mileage on it? Get in it. There's no squeaks and rattles. That truck is tight as the day it was purchased. It rides great. It's comfortable. It's quiet, just like a brand new 2023 Titan. I've been able to uh, to experience one with some miles on it, which is awesome. And uh, we've got a Frontier coming soon, a brand new 2024 Frontier. What? So we'll have uh, the chance when? to drive that. Uh, I'm hoping wait, 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 uh, before wait, wait, the end of the year. Hold on. Is that a long-term no, loan or is that a short-term it's, it's loan? It's a medium. It's medium loan. Will we have it for more than a week? three days? Oh, yes. wow. Yeah, well, Can I have it for a day? Maybe. A day. What do I get out of it? Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to chauffeur you around for a day? Uh, no, I don't want to sit in the back seat. I mean, it's comfortable and Will all, you but sit shotgun. Well, then that's just—I <laughs> don't know. I'll think about it. I want to drive it. You always get to you freaking have a beautiful because blue I have here. a legitimate job that requires me to drive vehicles. So do I. Yeah, well, but you have of. customers. I I'm extolling the virtues of these wonderful pickup trucks to the masses. Yeah, I'm super pumped about the 24 Frontier. Come on. Well, if you like it that much, head on down to your local Nissan dealer where you can test drive it. You can check out the Utilitrack bed rail system. Check out the Fender audio system on that big beautiful nine inch screen. Zero gravity seats. Spray and bed liner, Bill Stein shock. It's got a rear locker too, doesn't it? And skip place too on the Pro 4X. You guys can go over to NissanUSA.com. You can build in price. You can build up your Frontier, your Titan, your Titan XD. Put on all the options, see which one is right for you. And of course, the Titan and Titan XD come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And after the show, I'm going to go get into uh, my Titan in the driveway and just drive it around for no reason because (laughs) I enjoy it. Holman, can you tell me about your buddy... That is interested in a Banks Monster Ram for his 2023 Ram 6.7 liter Cummins turbo diesel. Why is he interested in that said Banks Monster Ram intake elbow? So uh, that was my uh, my uncle who uh, we talked about in the last show. Who? Oops, sorry, your uncle. <laughs> I uh, thought it was a friend. Yeah, well, he is my friend. Okay, he's also my uncle and a listener of the Truck Show podcast. Oh, what's up? What's, what's his name? He, uh, Warren Sainamon. What's up, Warren? All right, so we. Uh, he texted me and he's like, "Hey, I'm interested in the uh, the big S filter, and the Ram intake, mm-hmm. and uh, the diff cover." So he's talking about the Ram air intake, which is the air box that draws in cool air from the exterior of the vehicle, and uh, and of course the diff cover, which we all know the benefits of uh, of the Banks Ram air diff cover. And then I said, "Hey, while you're looking at those things, also take a look at the Monster Ram." Which oh, is- so he didn't know about it? No. And so I said, "Take a look at it because it's the big uh, elbow that uh, increases flow and density into the engine." But the biggest thing about it is everybody else's elbow 
they there's a, a fuel line that goes in there and cuts you know into the air path and so banks provide yeah, the, the stock the stock fuel line you have to work around yeah right so in order to have a, a clear path of air into the manifold you've got to have a take a big dent out yep. of that elbow and the el- the factory elbow if you look at it is squashed and flat yep and the passageway to get in is really neck down and the uh, monster ram you guys created a new fuel line so you don't have that issue but the number one thing about it beyond the drivability, beyond better throttle response, is the fact that you get rid of that factory grid heater bolt that is going to fail, drop down in cylinder six, and shoot out your turbo, taking the entire engine with it. So anybody... By the way, did you see the post that I put up on bankspower.com last Monday of the the, uh, cylinder number six? Yep. It looked like a dog took a dump on the top of a piston. That's how brown and destroyed it was. (laughs) It was pretty It was just like, it looked like uh, uh, like chocolate pudding. It was so mashed from that bolt. And so all you guys, especially you guys who have like 17s and 18s, you're coming up on mileage now where that's going to be an issue. In fact, uh, Banks has had people coming in for that Monster Ram that were on the verge. You had, you had a customer like, what, a month ago who came in and said, hey, this is preventative maintenance. And when you pulled it off, it was all melted, ready to drop. So I took the, so Robert in installation took the, uh, the grid heater out and he flipped it upside down to look at the bolt yep. to see how it, because this bolt hangs upside down like a, yep. like a stalactite from a cave inside the manifold. So he flips it up upside down and I get in there with my camera and I touch it with my index finger. And as I just touch it, it broke off onto the ground. And this is about a quarter of an inch tall. That would have fallen straight down into the manifold, rolled downhill because your engine slants backwards and then rolled right into cylinder number six and went. And bye-bye Cummins. Bye-bye. Oh my gosh. And it's it's not a widely known problem because people are replacing cylinder six or their, their engines they don't know the root cause of it and they're replacing it for other reasons. They think it's a piston failure. So it's not, it's that bolt. So all the data of the people who've had this repair, which is a lot of people out there have been attributed to other things. And so the, the factory is like, Oh uh, wow, you blew a piston. Well, I guess we need to do a new engine, but they don't know that it's that grid heater bolt that drops in there. So anyway, well, they're starting to know now so I, because yeah. we've, do I have well, a folder, the mileage is coming up. I have a it. folder on my computer of 30 yeah. destroyed engines. Yep. Well, when I say destroyed, some of them had head repair and they could get them back to normal. Yep. But you know, they t- it's a minimum of ten grand. So anyway, if you're if you've got a RAM and the ones that are really seeing the most damage are or they have the most potential for failure are thirteen to eighteen. But it does affect 07 and a half all the way to twenty three. Anything with a six seven, if you're looking to prevent that and gain eighty eight point three percent mass airflow, which means throttle response, go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make and model, and Fix your Ram in advance. Hey, Uncle Warren, enjoy your truck. There you go. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. It's The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. So I'm a little tired of the pod chat. I think we need a mobile podcast studio in the form of a Tacoma. Or maybe, no, a Ram, an AEV Prospector XL. 
Well, uh, we need something with a lot of payload for all the hot air that goes into the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one place that I have in mind is a company called Truck House that makes uh, carbon fiber campers for trucks. So I saw them. I, I don't. We talked about it before. We, it was the uh, their BCT, which was their Tacoma build. And I was like, ha ha ha! Somebody's making a big camper for the back of a Tacoma. It's the things that just fold in half. And then I looked at the specs. I was like, oh, it's five oh. hundred pounds. <laughs> oh wow, this is probably pretty cool and a lot of technology. And then they just announced the Ram Prospector XL based one. And I'm like, all right, we got to call them. So the uh, the Prospector XL, I know you lust after. Uh, why wouldn't you? Lust after a truck on 40s from the factory. That's pretty awesome. Someday when I grow up, I'm going to buy one. You know, Shane Casada, Bill Stein, who was just here a few weeks ago, uh, he just bought one. Did he really? Yep. Picked up from our buddy Mike Rice over at uh, the local uh, Ram dealer. We're doing something wrong. Yep. <laughs> well, why, why don't we... <laughs> we why don't, don't have we, one. Would you stop talking? Let's interview somebody who's doing something right. Okay. And uh, figure out if maybe osmosis will help us do better. All right. So we're going to call Matt and Nico. Hello? Hello? We have uh, Matt hey, you got us. and Nico? You've got Matt and Nico, and, and yeah, we're here. Fantastic. Hey, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. What's Thanks up, for joining us. Before we can get on with the interview, we've got to play a quick intro. Everyone gets one, so don't move. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? With your job and get alone, and don't let anyone tell you you can. Go into debt and don't look back, don't worry. So yeah. these gentlemen are entrepreneurs. Well, we're and talking I have to uh, the co-founders. They, yeah, I have a feeling they did quit their jobs. Uh, or, or they have side <laughs> gigs, side hustles until this one gets off the uh, ground like I do. I think it's getting off the ground, i got to be honest. From their website and from the trucks, it looks legit. So Matt and Nico, I'm going to uh, be perfectly honest with you guys. And I worked for uh, the old Motor Trend for <laughs> a long time. And uh, was running Four Wheeler Magazine and, and all that good stuff. And I uh, saw the Tacoma, the, uh, the BCT build, when it first came out as the rendering. And I was like, you guys are going to break that Tacoma in half. What What idiot is putting all this stuff on a Tacoma? And then I saw that your shell weighed 500 pounds. I went, whoa, okay, what? maybe these guys know what they're doing. And then when you guys announced the Ram on the uh, Prospector XL chassis, I had to know more. And I'm like, we got to get these guys on the show because this is, you know, this this technology that you're using made in the USA, completely self-contained habitats for, for overlanding vehicles with, like, the most advanced materials. It's sort of blowing my mind, and I got to know more. How did it get started? Yeah, well, holy cow. The energy, it's contagious. <laughs> well, um, yeah, hell, hell yeah, boys. Well, we... Um, well, well, thanks for your contributions to Motor Trend and Four Wheeler. I uh, grew up reading both of those, so uh, you didn't know it, but you uh, made me who I am. So I appreciate that. Well, I, it depends how old you are, because well, I was only there for twenty years. So. Hold on a second. If you're <laughs> yeah, if you're I'm, a real fan I'm, of Holman's, then you eat Darwiner Schnitzel and drink Dr Pepper. Do you do you do either <laughs> or uh, or smoke cigars? <laughs> Yeah, I eat Wiener Central quite frequently. We leave the shop late, so uh, yeah, no, no, no doubt. And I'm 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 32, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely was reading those when I was, you know, a young teenager. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, you you guys need to check out the uh, the new gig, uh, OVR Mag. So that, that's that's where we're gonna uh, we're gonna engage you over there next and get you in those. Is that your shameless pages. plug? That's my shameless plug for my uh -huh. uh, my new magazine. I don't know if you launched. guys have seen it. This is Lightning speaking, and um, so I'm not at OVR Magazine. Holman is, and I gotta say. His team over there has put together a really good-looking book. 
So when just when you thought that magazines were kind of going the way of the dodo bird, OVR just sprang up, and people were like, whoa, yeah. damn. Yeah, we basically had a bunch of uh, Motor Trend alumni and enthusiast media alumni who decided that print was not dead, and we've got a beautiful overlanding book for uh, for the common man. So we definitely need to uh, send you guys some some copies on that. But obviously, we're here for the podcast, and uh, my shameless plug, we can end right there. Yeah, so guys, <laughs> I, I, I watched a quick little video on YouTube. It touches on how you started one of you, and I can't remember if it was Matt or Nico. Now, Matt, you're the co-founder and CEO, and Nico, you're the co-founder and COO, right? Yeah. One of you built the truck first, and the other one said, oh, that's just a, that's a nice little one-off. Do you think you could do more? And then the other said, uh, yeah, we should do these. Yeah. So I, uh, when I was 24, I was, we're, we're big-time skiers here, and uh, I was looking for a rig to chase snow with, basically. And uh, stumbled upon the seven Toyota Sunraider four by four, which is a super rare, super yeah, yeah, those yeah, are, yeah, those yeah. Are rad, <laughs> super super rare bird. I think twenty six were produced and sixteen are still registered. Anyway, I went and tracked the thing down and uh, took it back to my family's shipyard. So my pop has an old my pops has an old shipyard in Saucedo that they work on yachts and ferries, and I. Uh, painstakingly put about 2000 hours into that thing to make it, um, what it is today. And then, uh, that's kind of where Nico came into the picture. So wait, Matt, yeah, we're both- wait, 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 pause there, Matt, for a second. So yeah. what was your background to just put in 2000 hours of, of work? Like what did you have a mechanical engineering uh, background? Are you just a hobbyist? Like how did you get the chops to do they, something like that? Uh, they call it OCD, I think. <laughs> um, yep. I actually studied neurobiology uh, at UC Davis. When I was going to high school and college, my dad has this shipyard in Sausalito where they work on yachts and ferries and fishing boats. Um, and my dad did a really good job from like 14 each summer. I'd basically work with a new crew. So like at 14, I worked on with the bottoms crew, which is sanding and painting bottoms of, of big boats out of the water. Um, not super glorious. And then each year, you know, I'd get to work with with the top side paint crew. And then I worked with the woodworking crew and I worked in the metal shop and I worked in the fiberglass shop. Um, and so I like, I slowly learned, you know, kind of all the, all the skills necessary. And then the, the Sun Raider build was like essentially my final project basically. So I'd, I would work at the shipyard in summers and then after hours I'd work on the Sun Raider and utilize like kind of all the shipwrights around there and ask a bunch of questions and, uh, kind of just figured it out as I went. Now, did you introduce yourself as uh, a Matt neurobiologist and f- founder of a ship on wheels? Like I'm trying to, f- it's so funny that it's a land yacht. I, right, he could have opened up a lab, a it's mobile an lab, overland yacht, an overland yeah. yacht. Yeah, it really yes. is. The, we're gonna get to that point I like though. That. Yeah, we're right. Gonna, we're gonna get to that point though, where you guys are building. In- That's your new T-shirt idea, by the way. Overland yacht. <laughs> yeah, overland yacht. <laughs> we're gonna get to the point where we explain that. You guys are basically building offshore racing boat quality hulls, but on the back of a truck. So let's go back, Matt. And so you put the two two thousand hours into this thing, and how many tweaks along the way? And at what point does does Nico get on board? The plan was to buy it and go skiing and camping, and uh, it turned out that I just worked on it nonstop. I mean, I cut the floor out, I reglassed all the holes in the thing. I painted the cab in the truck. I built a full modern interior, full fiberglass, modern interior, modern electronics, heated floors. I mean, it has this old, old rig ends up having the same, same systems. Basically our new rigs do. I was up 
skiing in uh, in Tahoe and kept running into Nico, and uh, I'll kind of let him take it from there. Yeah, Matt, Matt kept talking about this, you know, four-by-four Sunraider he was building that one day he'd be able to go wherever he wanted and chase storms. And this went on for like two, two and a half years. He kept talking about it. And, you know, every time I see him, he's alluding to the fact that it was getting close and, um, you know, months would go by until the next update. Um, and then finally one summer, we were both on the West Shore of Lake Tahoe and uh, Matt brought it by the marina and I got to see it. And the first thing I thought in my head is like, wow, I, I need one of these. And so I kind of approached Matt. I was like, you know, what would it take to build another one of these for myself? And um, not knowing about how much work he actually put into it, he kind of looked at me and laughed and said, never again. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> like, what do you mean, man? This Friendship test. Uh-huh. And uh, he goes, you know, if we do it again, it has to be on a brand new truck. You know, we're not, I'll never start with the old truck, just the rest of pair alone. It just takes too long. And um, that kind of planted a seed in my head. And at the time, I was finishing up a mechanical engineering degree at UNR here in Reno. A couple years later, I went back to get my MBA and had an opportunity to work on a business plan. And this kind of camper business was floating around my head. And uh, I gave Matt a call and asked him how serious he was about, you know, pursuing building new campers. And we kind of came up with a, a deal where he would help me do an engine swap on a four by four van that I had at the time. And I'd trade him for a business plan. Kind of, <laughs> See, kind of from there. I mean, that sounds, that That's sounds reasonable. Odd, yeah. It's an odd swap right there. <laughs> That's a great barter right there. Now I'm all about yeah. it. No, no, don't, don't you, don't you ever think you could put a small block Chevy in one of those Chevy vans without taking the cab off and not just yourself? <laughs> because, uh, He's like, yeah, dude, the, the dealership quoted me 10 grand. I was at the, at the time I was a Marine mechanic on the West shore of Tahoe. And I was like, dude, I can pull a small block Chevy out of a boat in like two and a half hours. I was like, dude, I'll, I'll help you. Like no time. I show up at his house and open the hood and I'm like, where the hell's the engine? dude?" <laughs> so at like, what point did you look at him and go, that's going to be two business plans, sir. <laughs> no, I'm a man of my word. I said, hell yeah, dude, let's get it done. And, nice. uh, had to pull the intake manifold off, you know, and basically like chain the cherry picker to the to the um, heads to get the thing out of there. But we weaseled her out of there and put a reman back in, and uh, yeah, we got her done. Nice, well done, boys. And so, at what point does it become a real thing? Where so you you build this this you know one for Nico, and then it turns into like oh we we've written a business plan that actually could work. Did you go to like uh, Overland Expo and see like well there's a market for these or how did you get the sense that if you build them they will get purchased? Finish up the the engine swap and at that point um, the business school at the University of Nevada had a business plan competition and I thought oh man I just worked on this for a while like let's get in front of some professors' eyes and get some feedback. And so we entered this business plan competition and we did it really just to get some feedback and kind of meet some people here in Reno. And we progressed round, round to round and kept moving up in the standings in this contest. And uh, spring of 2019, we ended up winning the contest and uh, got a grant from the university. Was enough money to really think about, you know, trying to do this whole time. And Matt and I kind of came up with a plan. We both worked that summer and kind of reconvened in the fall. Um, he went back down to work at the shipyard for his dad, and I was working as a wild end firefighter at the time. 
we kind of, you know, gave it some thought all summer long and came together in the fall. And uh, we knew, you know, the Overland scene was was getting popular. Um, we had a lot of good interest from the Sun Raider. Matt had a pretty big following on social media. And anytime you'd go anywhere, there'd be people knocking on the door trying to take a look inside. So we were pretty confident that if, if we built something, they would come. Now, at what point did you guys discuss building a Subaru Brat into the the mega you know land yacht that we're talking. Oh wait, not a Subaru Brat. No, did I get the story you wrong? Got the story wrong. Oh damn no, it! It was it was uh, a <laughs> the Subaru Brat was right second place to the Honda Ridgeline. Ah. No. So well wait a played, minute, hold sir. on a second. Well Do played. you listen to the show? Do you know that we talk about the Ridgeline all the time and the, the fact that it's not uh, actually hey. a truck? Hey, I mean, you know, unibody, schmoonabody. That's <laughs> right. That, that's going to be our new t-shirt, schmoonabody. Unibody, schmoonabody. <laughs> all right, I'm writing it down. I unibody. Mean, hey, dude, the, the, those Sprinter, those Sprinter vans are basically cars. So what the hell is the difference? Yeah, true. Uh, by the way, I've seen the Sprinter vans off road with lift kit, and like thirty twos, and it looks like these. It basically looks like if I were to take my Wrangler and then put like a lifeguard chair on the roof rack <laughs> and then steer from up there, like I was looking for tuna or something. So scary. That's about what it looks like to yeah. a guy driving yeah. a Sprinter van off road. It's 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 not. It doesn't look pleasant. Yeah, travel, I've never heard of her. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the yaw from side to side. <laughs> yeah, Sway. We've heard of her, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I had a friend who uh, was uh, you know, big into off-roading and overlanding, and so he had uh, one of those vans for a little while. And he goes, oh, dude, I'm stoked to get in this van. We go off-road. We take some trails. And uh, after his first trip, I'm like, well, how was it? He goes, yeah, that wasn't that enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> When did you guys decide to start on a Tacoma? Yeah, so using the Sun Raider kind of inspiration, Matt and I both quit our jobs in November of 2019 and started design on the first prototype. And the two of us worked on that for about a year, um, getting everything off the ground, and the first customer units were delivered in 2021. How did you get the first customers? They actually came to us, you know, believe it or not, driving the Sun Raider around locally. Um, like we said, I had a pretty big following. Yeah, they, they thought that was cool. And we said, wait till we're, well, you see what we're doing next. And, um, you know, we built up a, a decent wait list from the beginning. And then uh, COVID hit and we dealt with the supply chain, which everybody else did as well. So when you quit your job, did your parents say, you must be out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, we're both super fortunate. We have very supportive, uh, parents and, um, business owner parents. Yeah. They're both of our dads are entrepreneurs that have owned small businesses. Um, you know, they just have always told us to follow our dreams and, and work hard and make good decisions. And, uh, that's kind of, we, we kind of listened and, and half listened and sent it. So when I go to the website now today, so uh, truckhouse.co, truckhouse.co, um, you can go to the Tacoma page and look at the BCT, and it shows you the different levels and things like that. Uh, but it's it's sold out. I know you made more than one. How many did you end up making on the Tacoma chassis? Yeah, we did. Um, we built eight of those. Um, they're all out out in the world right now. And we started with a what we called a prototype tool set. So we built that carbon fiber shell here in house. Um, via a process called vacuum infusion. And so we only had the, the capital up front to invest into a prototype tool. So I had a limited number of poles. Um, and we actually 
we just finished that production run and we haven't been taking orders for the Tacoma for over, over a year, um, year and a half almost. So we kind of were, you know, in our infancy and, and sold eight of them basically. And then, uh, which is amazing. We're kind of, it's huge. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, uh, sure is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be when we started. Well, especially, you know, obviously you guys are doing these bespoke, uh, vehicles that the top of the line comes with a, a supercharger you can get a manual or automatic you got long tra- travel suspension upgraded uh brakes six piston front four piston rear the the option for fully fabricated rear axle front rear winches high output alternate i mean you're talking about a third of a million dollars all in with one of these fully built right exactly the base price is 350 or was 350 including the truck it's a very very custom tacoma we do a lot of chassis reinforcement. We do full customer and yeah, all those other bits and bobs you mentioned. But it was a it's a big undertaking considering we had to you know build the truck as well as build the house. I have a question. So why why the Tacoma? Is that because you already had the familiarity with the previous build? Um, we knew when you were starting this venture, or do you, be, do you like the reliability of the Tacoma or? What? Because there, there's plenty of platforms to choose from. Yeah, but I think going off the Sun Raider was a Toyota-based platform. No, that's and, what I'm saying, right. Yeah, so they already had they, the fans of Toyota people it, following right? them. Yeah. I'm just asking. Kind of touching on all the points there. Um, for us, the smaller footprint of a Sun Raider made a whole lot of sense for our lifestyle. Um, you know, getting down the trail or, or parking at the grocery store, uh, when it's when a vehicle small like that makes things a whole lot easier, um, as well as just the, the reputation and the re- reliability of the Toyota um, you know, coming from the Sun Raider and really just trying to bring that to the modern era. Um, you kind of saw a hole in the market in between the Sprinter vans and the larger military style vehicles. Uh, that's our dream rake was the Tacoma, you know, of the 21st century. And I think the size of that platform, to your point, is makes it more, you know, a lot more uh, uh, able to access tighter spots where you couldn't do it in some of those bigger vi- builds. And when I was looking at some of the specs going back to uh, the BCT, which is the the Tacoma house build, obviously carbon fiber shell. You guys mentioned that you had a torsion-free mounting system. So you guys are actually, in addition to having the house, you guys actually have a mounting system on there that allows the truck to flex and the house to flex independently, right? So uh, you're not tearing things up? Yeah, and that, that's actually one major lesson I learned from the Sun Raider. Um, the Sun Raiders were fixed-mounted to the chassis and also fixed-mounted to the cab. So on the Sun Raider, they cut the whole back wall of the pickup out and they actually cut part of the roof out as well. And uh, they might have done it with like an air chisel or something because it is once you pull the shag car- once you pull the shag carpet out of that thing, it hides a lot of sins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that um, I built this big that that rig's got a big sound system. I built a fiberglass ten inch sub enclosure yes. that mounts a man after my yeah. own heart right there, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's got that 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 eighty seven centimeters got like two thousand watts. It's got a forty inch outdoor <laughs> sound bar. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun rig. But I built a it's an extended cab pickup. Um, so I built a sub box behind the driver's seat, and it actually mounted to my shower wall, my wet bath <laughs> wall, and and mounted to the cab floor of the pickup. I know, right? Weird, weird sub box. That's by uh, the way, that's a that's a fun shower right there. <laughs> hell, hell yeah, dude! And. Uh, so I ended up ended up wheeling the thing a bunch. Um, you know, by the way, it's on you know it's on a thirty two inch tire. I mean, wheeling is a you know relative. generous term for sure. a motorhome, but yeah, relative for it, I pushed it, and uh, 
ended up cracking that sub box because it's technically mounted to the camper and to the cab, and it's from torsional twist. So when Nico and I started, you know, kind of diving into this, you know, him being an engineer, I was like, dude, I have some problems here. Like I'm seeing some cracking in the interior and this part and this part. And um, we started doing our research and realized we need to alleviate those forces. What was the subbox made of? Was it fiberglass or MDF? Would you? It was a balsa core fiberglass panel all hand glass together and then body worked and painted. Um which is like, it's, you know, it's three times stronger than plywood and three times lighter. It's, it was a beefy sub box, but uh, those are those are pretty gnarly forces. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was asking, because to, to crack a box the way I've seen some of the really high-end stereo shops make them, like, it takes a lot of force. It's the uh, early warning system. It's like, if you can crack the box, you don't want to know what comes after that. Chill that's, out. That's the t-shirt, by the way. Crack the box. Crack the box. That, uh, that is. So when do you decide... To go carbon fiber. Well, I guess we're still talking about the chassis. So you you take us through the first gen where you have to that you crack the box, the subwoofer, and then how do you gusset the, the chassis or what's next? I saw the the, the crack in the subraider in the sunraider sub box, which like I said, not a structural crack or anything important, just something that kind of keyed me into those torsional forces. And then Nico and I got to the drawing board and realized that uh, truck frames twist and carbon fiber boxes do not. So if you rigid mounted a carbon box to a steel chassis, the chassis is going to try and twist and the carbon is going to try and resist that. And eventually something's going to win. So we got on CAD and started, started developing a torsion-free subframe that basically allows the Tacoma chassis to twist independently of that carbon box. Um, it also rides on polyurethane, so it helps uh, lessen the vibration. And then... You know, we had to stretch wheelbase and then reinforce the whole chassis for the weight. So we do a ton of welding and a ton of fab here in-house. That's all what we developed on the computer, basically. So fast forward, you guys develop the Tacoma, you get through the prototype or, um, tool tooling, you build the 8, they're out in the world, there's obviously learnings from that. And you can see that in the press release that you guys put out for the BCR, which is the RAM version. And it just, you know, as awesome as the Tacoma looks, there's a lot of small refinements that you can pick up in the RAM. And one of the things that I was really interested in is your hyperfoils. So you guys are actually putting in, similar to how a a Chevy Silverado, uh, maybe around the bumper, has those little um, air slots that open and make an air curtain around the tires. You guys have what you're calling a high-pressure reduction uh, like a vent or a, a smoothing at the leading edge of the camper to direct airflow around it. To me, that's like a that's a huge step up in engineering acuity is is including you know starting into these aero things and and the refinement, the smoothness of the outside of the camper. It's a great looking uh, house, I guess is what you guys would call it. Yeah, thank you so much. We uh, spent a lot of time working on that exterior surface. Um, you know, thankfully, we got to collaborate with the guys over at AEV to really make that surface match the prospector. And so we work closer with those guys and um, coming up with that hyperfoil system to kind of re- reduce that, that drag coefficient on the bleeding edge of the camper there, um, which, like you said, is, is different than the Tacoma. Um, we really wanted to kind of step up our game as far as the exterior surface and working with those guys really allowed us to do that. Now, we're all familiar with the uh, AV Prospector XL. Obviously, XL stands for 40. So uh, imagine a Ram crew cab up on uh, 40-inch tires. I'm assuming you guys are using a 3,500 chassis with that? Yeah. 
So we, we started designing around the 3500, um, basically to keep the, the light and um, efficient concept kind of moving forward from the Tacoma to the bigger chassis. Um, we're actually going to offer it in the regular cab as well, which is cool because it brings down the overall length to about 22 and a half feet, um, which is still a pretty compact adventure truck. And um, keeping the weight down is one of the priorities. Allows us to, you know, scale up to the 5500s as well if we ever needed to. Um, but really, this initial camper is really designed for the 3500. Awesome. So the difference between this and the Tacoma, obviously, is you've got a proven platform you're not having to make all these adjustments to a base vehicle uh, because av already has a proven xl that you can build off of that has a lot of payload so let's move over to the house part of it carbon uh, monocoque construction uh you got molded single piece cabinetry solid state digital switching platform six foot six interior standing height cab over king bed rear dinette full bed i mean that that's a lot more features because you've got more of a footprint, more size, and it sounds like a lot more comfortable place to hang out. Yeah, certainly. And and like Nico said, we want to stick to our kind of our roots of being a small, nimble, light vehicle. The shell only grew, we'll call it 5%, but in a space that small, inches really do matter. And really it's, you know, we figure that like weight is kind of a slippery slope. Like if you just start on the 5500 and decide you want to do granite countertops and tile black backsplashes. A lot of people forget that these rigs, it's, it's a lot of dynamic forces and everything you put in it is going to be going down the road and hopefully wheeling. So starting on that 3500 is really um, important for us to, to, you know, keep the thing light and nimble. So what's the difference in weight for just the bare house itself? So it was about 500 pounds on the Tacoma. And you said about 5% overall, does that translate just house to house as well? Yeah, and so the it's about the bare shell coming out of the mold on a Tacoma is about 550 pounds. Um, that is pre-built out, um, but we do do a composite interior, so it does stay um, relatively light. And I think they're shooting for about the same weight on the Ram. So the Ram is not really going to know that that camper is back there. That's awesome. I was going to ask how it actually feels to drive when you're going down the road and you've got to make an abrupt turn. Do you feel top heavy? I don't. I don't know. Like, what does it feel to the uh, driver? Or do you add sway bars to tighten it up? Well, when you drive one of the Rams, you can uh, you can report back. But the the Tacomas are are pretty incredible. It's uh, you forget you're driving a camper. A lot of increased track width, um, custom tuned suspension, custom built leaf springs. Uh, we keep all the weight very low, so we're very center of gravity uh, focused. All the tanks are stored below the frame rail, yet internal. It is mind-blowing how well they drive. And they, uh, you know, on a closed course, of course, they do over 100 miles an hour, even a naturally aspirated one. So, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and that's been important yeah. to admit. You guys are offering it in either a 6.4 gas setup or you can go with the Cummins. Hold on. They're happy about the uh, 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's a that's a Tacoma doing a 100 miles an hour. So, um, but we are we are offering the Ram in a, a Hemi or the Cummins, and you know the main reason behind that is if you want to do some world travel and you're going to a location that doesn't have low sulfur diesel, um, you might have a better a better chance driving a, a gas powered vehicle. 
And I, I would imagine, you know, the uh, the fuel tank on it is 74 gallons. So nice. even on a gas, you figure probably 9 or 10 miles to the gallon is probably a reasonable expectation. That's well over 700 miles of range. So you would be able to go pretty far on something like that. And then you guys also have a full lithium battery bank to control everything inside the house, which means that you're not running the engine to uh, to keep up with the living demands, you're able to do that with solar, and it can be off grid. So it's nice to have your your motivation fuel be different from your living fuel. Yeah, definitely. One of one of our big goals was to be fully self-contained, and so no propane, no generator needed for any of our systems. And then we do have the ability to charge off the alternator. So if you ever in a case scenario where you're in a snowstorm for you know, a week straight or anything like that, and you need more power, um, you can always idle your engine and, and recharge your house batteries. Are you taking orders for the the BCR now? Yep, right now uh, pre-orders are open, and um, we're taking a $10,000 refundable deposit to hold your spot in our production line. Um, our prototype vehicles will be driving around this fall, and we're starting production on customer rigs this winter. You can head over to uh, truckhouse.co and head over to the BCR page, which has all the specs. And then from there, there's a uh, pre-order now box where you can contact sales and put your info in. And if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, the offer was extended to uh, your friends over here at the Truck Show Podcast slash OVR Magazine to uh, get behind the wheel uh, potentially later this year. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely, but you have to supply the Honda Ridgeline for us to build the camper on. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Tip your waitress; they'll be here all week. Yeah, his arms are tired. He just flew in. Try the wheel. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely, guys, we'd love to get you guys behind the wheel and experience one of these things in person. Um, you do a podcast the from inside of- the cat from inside the uh, the back of it once you guys are uh, have the prototypes built. Let's do it in the middle of nowhere with the hey, Starlink or something. Even better. I love it. I love it. All good. All right. Yeah. So uh, another question for you guys. Uh, obviously, eight Tacomas. Is there a limit to the number of vehicles that you're going to produce of the uh, BCR? So we are production's currently sold out through 2025 for the BCR. Uh, wow. Boom. No, stop it, Lightning. Well, I mean, c- congratulations. That's bad for us. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's huge. Good for you yeah. guys. You guys need to get on the list soon, or you're gonna be too old to drive it. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, we're already there. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, we're we're hoping to match the um, the life cycle of this fifth gen Ram, and we're, we plan for that. Yeah, and and the cool thing, you know, we learned a lot in this Tacoma production. Um, we're a small new team. Uh, we learn every day. Every day here is a school day. But we were definitely stretching ourselves very thin in terms of building the custom truck and the custom house. Um, Working with AEV has been incredible. And being able to focus on our core competency, which is the extremely complex composites, um, we're hoping to be able to scale and bring those lead times down. Um, That is one big reason for the shift in platform. Well, you've teamed up with the best. I mean, that's the bottom line. So yeah. they'll do what they do, and you do what you do, and together you make a, a, a wonderful synergy. How, yeah. many, how many are you guys planning on making in a year? Um, this first year, we're planning on kicking eight vehicles out, and like wow. we said, we're working on scaling. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, that, that that's a, a pretty fast pace for everything that needs to go into those vehicles. I'm, I'm impressed, and like I said, I, I when I saw the press release and uh, – was going through the specs. I was like, this is awesome. We, we got to know more. And I'm happy to have you guys on the show and talk about this because not only is it interesting from an entrepreneur standpoint and starting your own company, but from the standpoint of having a 
relatively compact, you know, uh, overlanding expedition vehicle that is self-contained that you can take almost anywhere. I think the big key to you guys is obviously going to be the lightweight because you're allowing there to be payload for other things. Absolutely. You know, the goal for the 3,500 is still to be able to tow 10,000 pounds. And if you need to tow more than that, we can bump up to the 5,500. You know, that's coming in the future. But uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's cool to be able to work with the best. You guys called AEV the best, and, and we agree. It's like uh, we, were, we were playing Little League, and they're playing D1 ball. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we got we got invited to practice, and we were like, holy we're only 12. How are we going to play D1 college baseball? Well, it's funny you say that um, because when you went up to bat, you both hit grand slams. And they were like, how do these little leaguers uh, hit so far? And they want to come join the team. They got some chops. That's right. right. Yeah. And we uh, we actually met Dave at uh, Overland Expo. And yeah. um, we, we became fast friends. And, you know, he started AEV out of a business plan contest at University of Montana. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, and so he immediately was like, I see you, I see you guys, I see myself in you guys, and I think I could help. And uh, we jumped at the opportunity. That's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm good friends with Dave and a uh, great guy. And the fact that you, you kind of uh, caught his eyes, I mean, think of all the things that he's seen and how many people are pitching him and, and for him to, uh, to look at you guys and go, yeah, that's something I want to get behind is, is huge. So uh, kudos and congratulations on that. And uh, just one last question, at least from my end is, you know, we talked a lot about the the carbon fiber and the uh, you know the monocoque construction, the the chassis. We talked about the molded single piece ca- uh, cabinetry. What are some of the other advanced materials that you guys are using for lightweighting? For example, you know, I was looking through the specs, and you guys have a uh, a woven vinyl flooring. Is there things like that for the cabinetry, for the pillows, for the curtains, whatever else might go in there that is adding to you guys being able to have a lightweight? Well, the, by the way, the the windows are made out of saran wrap. That's where I don't they, think that's, that's, true. that's where they cut weight. I yes. don't think that's true. No, no, no. Oh, okay. And and for for an extra cost, we'll wrap it twice. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> you know, we really pride ourselves in trying to source the best materials and componentry in the world. And that you know, there's a lot of things going into this rig, whether it be a Bosch oven or you know, 24 volt heated floors. Not everything can be feather light. Uh, that Bosch oven, for example, weighs 45 pounds. Lithium batteries kind of have an energy density built into them. They can only be as light as, you know, technology permits. Um, so on our end, we do everything we can to use the highest grade composite technology to build light cabinets, to build a light shell. Um, but there are some places you have to sacrifice. Like we put um, dual pane glass windows in the shell. They're better for thermal properties. They're better for viewing out of. They're just a high quality product. So we kind of like I said earlier, it's a slippery slope. If you just throw weight to the wind and start putting granite and tile, I think you're doing a disservice to whoever's driving the vehicle. We, we focus you know, hard on, on trying to be conscious of every pound that goes in the rig and what, not only going in the rig, but where it's placed. Um, because like you guys know, wheel and center of gravity has a huge, huge factor. And these rigs, the center of gravity is so low that it, it drives well, it wheels well. You know, keep the batteries super low, keep the tanks below the frame yet in, in ter- or internal so that they're uh, insulated. Uh, there's a lot of thought in kind of how everything is distributed. When you look at a traditional um, expedition camping camper platform, a lot of times there's an, uh, uh, a frame that's built maybe out of aluminum, and then there's <clears throat> composite fiber boards for insulation. What's the difference with yours? I guess I don't know from a carbon standpoint – 
what the thermal uh, properties are. Is I, it warm or do you have to it, add something to it? Is it th- How thick is it? Is it one layer like you'd expect a boat to be? Or is it multiple layers with an insulation between? How does that work? Yeah, so it's a we call it a highly engineered laminate schedule. So it um, has a lot to do with how we build the laminate schedule. Um, but it is a it's a structural cord composite, so it does have a closed cell PVC core, um, which has insulation property of uh, R six an inch, which is as good as any insulation foam you can get. But it is structural, so it's a a carboned sandwich construction, basically. Hey, so it's, it's better better insulated than like a Yeti cooler, for example, which I believe is R9. Don't quote me on that, but uh, it's about an inch and a half thick of, thick of solid foam for a Yeti cooler, and we're over two inches thick. So you're basically able to have the structural and thermal pieces as one unit so that you don't have to add that additional weight over the uh, structure. You guys are, are off-road guys, so you're pretty familiar with fabrication. But if, if you look at like a steel I-beam, it's that vertical web that gives you the stiffness. Basically, we have layers of carbon fiber, foam, and then more carbon fiber. And that creates an I-beam structure that really makes it strong and rigid. And then, you know, a benefit to that is it has great thermal properties. And is it all one piece or do you mold it together in certain areas that become seamless like you would with a boat hull? The Tacoma was built basically in all one piece in a big modular mold which was uh, extremely hard to figure out. So we would, we'd pull the mold apart and there'd be a camper sitting there. I mean, I've seen boats being made and it, you know how they're, we've all seen that on YouTube videos and such. And then I've seen carbon fiber wings for sports cars and such being made, but I don't think I've ever seen anything this complex and large made out of carbon fiber, especially multi-layer. Boeing uh, 787. Was that really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that how, no, that's or, uh, aluminum. Airbus A350. No, it's not. It's not? Totally carbon airplane. It yeah. is? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Streamliner. Yeah. Oh. A350, same thing. Huh. It's cool okay. because in aerospace, all this awesome large scale stuff is being built now out of carbon. And so it's really cool to see it into our, our space, right? Because you're looking going, wow, that's that's incredible, the technology. And then here these guys come along and they're offering you something like that in the truck space. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's really allowed us to kind of be who we are based based on this construction. And, you know, the, the vacuum infusion was developed for the aerospace and then kind of got past the marine and now we're bringing it into the camping and, and automotive world. All right. So, guys, you're listening and you're trying to figure out what in the world does this thing look like? Go to truckhouse.co truckhouse.co you'll see the photos you'll see the the information about how to reserve yours if you've got those kind of ducats your ducats ducats. nice nice i I pulled that out like 1989 yeah i did ducats yeah because i shred on the uh, (laughs) on the uh, truckhouse.co page uh there's actually a good frequently asked questions uh page on the site and uh everything from uh, what is it how does it cost uh or how much does it cost can you finance it can you use your existing truck can you change the uh the floor plan all that kind of stuff so a lot of great info on there and uh it's going to start at three hundred fifty thousand, and that includes the base truck or is that on top of the base truck so the, the three hundred fifty thousand that was actually for the bct so the tacoma platform uh we're still finalizing prices Got for the bcr um, but on the bigger platform it will be a little bit more expensive Got it. And when you guys uh, put that price out there, when you do, is that going to include the cost of the truck itself? Yes, it will. And can they buy that directly through you guys, or do they buy that through AV and have it shipped to you to be upfitted, or how does that process work? 
Yeah, so we are not a dealership. Um, we just complete the conversions. And so uh, the customers actually buy the truck from a dealership and then we'll work directly with AEV on the upfit and it'll come to us for the house. Awesome. Nice. Gentlemen, congratulations. You've uh, you've accomplished a lot in a short amount of time, but it looks like you're just getting started. So uh, amazing builds. We're Holman and I are excited to go check them out in person. You guys are in Sparks, Nevada, right? We are, yep. Road trip. Road trip, yeah. indeed, yes. Come on up. Uh, there's a lot of great photos on the gram. You can uh, follow them. It's uh, truckhouse.co, and then also uh, they have a Facebook page as well. Uh, and then that stupid birdie X thing that nobody follows, they're on there too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys wouldn't uh, wouldn't mind, give them a follow. Check out some great content of some really cool trucks. And I like the one that you guys just posted uh, last week, August 17th. And that is the uh, uh, CGI rendering uh, off-road of the regular cab or single cab Ram with the house on it. And I'm telling you, like that's my, that's my jam it right there. Rad, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all over that truck. The wheelbase is only like six inches longer than a Gladiator. Dude, it's it's yeah, and it's on 40s. It's it's so it's so righteous. It looks like a toy. It literally looks like a Sun Raider that grew up. Like if you just added a lot of yeah. water and fertilizer and it just <laughs> blossomed into. <It's> <laughs> It's going to wheel, too, because the, the frame twist you see in a cab chassis is wild. So uh, kind of like Unimog-esque, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help keep tires on the ground and only accentuate the suspension travel. So we're excited to go uh, put it through its paces. All right. Awesome. Well, I've got places. If you guys need trails, I'll come follow you in my uh, AEV 392, and uh, let's go have some fun. Oh, well, yeah, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> Can I follow along in my TRX? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's a ram. Yeah, you could come. Ah, all right. Thank you. I think, let's be real, in the desert, we might be following you. Yeah, well, we're trying to make you guys look better, though, right now. We'll air down the 40s, and it's like a suspension for our suspension. Yeah, yeah. right. You get like six inches of uh, travel just out of your sidewalls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, it's great meeting you, and uh, I have a feeling we'll, uh, we'll actually see face-to-face. So uh, excited about it. All yeah, right. thanks for having us, guys. It's been awesome. You all got right, it. Appreciate Thank it. We'll you. talk to you soon. Yep, no doubt. It's been a minute since we've checked in with the five-star hotline, so Holman, if you don't mind. How many minutes? Uh, thousands of minutes. Mm. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star hotline. Hey, Lightning and Sean Puffy Holman. I was uh, just driving around listening to the podcast, and I uh, had a problem I figured I'd call y'all with. Uh, I have a JK, and uh, we're a family of four. I got a roof rack on it for when we go camping. I can throw all our stuff up there. And my problem is these uh, AutoZone ratchet straps are driving me insane. They fold over themselves. My four-year-old son ties his sister up with him. By the time I get to the other side of the Jeep to strap it down, I need some help. Hopefully you can uh, steer me the right direction. I've been listening to the show since the start. Uh, Thanks for everything y'all do. I bestow five stars upon you and uh, keep mounting those parameters. Thanks. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. So thank you very much for the five-star hotline call, 657-205-6105. And he had a question about 
ratchet straps, right? Uh, so he says his four-year-old son ties his sister up with them, and by the but there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, I can't help you there. Um, <laughs> That's bad parenting. But I, but I can I can recommend good straps. So Max, uh, Max, a couple of things. Max. So Max tie downs make a great ratchet strap. And Man, do I love when Max. you guys are strapping stuff down to um, things in the windstream. If you look at the truckers going down the highway, they twist them. Why do they twist them? Because that creates um, or prevents them from flapping. So that twisting action will, uh, I don't know if it's the airflow around them. It is the airflow around them. Yeah. So you do that, and then they won't make as much noise. Uh, Also, if you're looking for a non-ratchet strap. I feel like you blew past that too quickly. So if you're going up and over, just twist it once, twice at the most. All you're trying to do is break it so it's not... A wing it's not a in wing. the wind. It's so it's like, yeah. You've seen that when they're flapping, yeah. just so vibrating. Yeah. Look, look at the truckers down the road, and they twist their straps, and that's for that reason. So, yeah. uh, And it's less wear and tear because they're moving around less in the airstream, and there's less fatiguing on the fibers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the other thing is if you're looking for a really good, one of my favorite uh, tie-down straps, the non-ratchet straps, so just the ones that you pull tight, uh, look at the roller cam straps. It's basically the similar to every other strap on the market, but these are uh, American straps. And uh, there's a roller on a bearing uh, inside the mechanism, so it helps you roll the strap tighter, and they work really good. Um, great, great set of people over there, and I, I use their straps on. So the brand name is called Roller Straps. Roller Cam. Roller Cam. Yeah. So it's uh, it's basically my go-to strap on anything that's not uh, ratchet. So like if I'm you know, there's lots of things that you may tie down in, let's say, the back of your truck, the back of your Jeep, that you don't need to ratchet down, or maybe there's not enough room for the, a big ratchet mechanism or to go. And so you just have those pull down straps. I love those where you can just pull because yeah. those fit in like 95% of the applications where you just really don't need to ratchet down. Um, if you're looking for big, beefy ones to hold a lot of weight, again, Max yeah, or ma- your Roller Cam. Ma- MaxCustomTieDowns.com or RollerCam.com. Uh, they make uh, both of those make some of the best, in my opinion, straps that are on the market. Uh, different lengths, and it's cool. Uh, the roller cam one, so I think they started like kayaking and things like that. So they've got a bunch of different straps. One of the things I really like is um, they have like an overlanding bundle that has different lengths with different ends, and you can get either a a loop end, a hook end, a carabiner bent, uh, end straight from them, um, and then they've got all the lengths on them are printed in the strap so you're one foot two foot three oh, foot that's smart they i've never seen that on the strap in the weaving and so they're gray straps typically with orange writing in them so i never i always know which strap i'm grabbing because the the size is in the strap itself. that's super yes. cool so they, they make some really nice stuff so anyway i, I would recommend those again uh, roller cam rollercam.com yeah okay hey lightning hey holman this is calvin just finished up listening to probably 20 some episodes had a little bit of a backlog <laughs> listening to a lot of the EV stuff, been noticing a lot of Rivians driving around in Iowa specifically. Interesting to see how they're integrating. I know that in the town that I live in, we only have uh, one place to charge in the entire town of seven or 8,000 people. So I'll be interested to see how they uh, end up doing the grid for different states and small cities like this. Just wanted to say that I've dropped an interview at I think four or five different phones now that I've got my hands on at family Christmases and dinners nice. and whatnot. Thank you. Giving you guys five stars. So keep up the great work. Keep the suckage down. And how about a yeah, buddy from Emmy? All right, bye. So we cannot promise low suckage. That's just no, something that's just, we... Yeah, uh, it's in our contract. Yeah. We can't do that. But I can give you 
Yeah, buddy. There you go. Um, yeah, so I think one of those big question marks is charging infrastructure, just like we talked about in the last episode where Ford CEO uh, Jim Farley you know, talked about his uh, trials and tribulations of driving cross-country in a Lightning. And as more electric vehicles get into those different areas um, of the country that uh, may not have excess grid capacity, what's going to happen? I mean, I've seen in the middle of nowhere some chargers with a, like a Cummins Gen Set in a shipping container. Uh, which sort of you would think defeats the purpose otherwise, but there was, there'd be no other way to get a charger in that area. So um, I think there's probably going to be a mix of that kind of thing. And you got to remember, you know, electricity comes from all sorts of sources. So if people are like, oh, there's a gen set there. Well, that's no different than being in most cities in Southern California. Well, there's that a coal get their, fire plant, right? Or, well, in California, it's natural gas, right? Hmm. Depending on where you are in the country, you got to trade it's energy not gonna for be, energy. Yeah, it's you not going to be it, all green. Right. You, you're not going to get it all out of solar. Yeah. This ain't going to happen. No, it's cloud and wind when the wind doesn't blow you know you're not making anything there so yeah i mean it's, i think it's a noble goal but it's just the technology is not there and you know uh, fossil fuels are the most reliable form of energy and as you know we should be using them so the electric stuff's gonna be interesting because i think a lot of people feel like oh i'm zero emissions but then how do they feel or are they going to avoid that one gen set you know charging station because they're like oh it goes against everything i believe in i'm like well yeah but where you charge normally, you probably aren't green either, right? So, <laughs> nope. so there's that. Uh, I, you know, uh, I had a story told to me when I was at the uh, Advanced Clean Transportation Expo, where somebody wanted to put in a 30 truck distribution center in the Midwest and went to the power company and said, "I want 30 EV chargers so my trucks can charge overnight." And they laughed at him and said, "You're asking for more power than we provide the entire town." So you would have to build another power plant for your distribution center because wow. it was outside of a small town. That's going to happen all over the country. And that's going to happen all over the country, right? So wow. um, it's I've said this from the beginning. It's a tapestry of technologies that are going to make this happen. There's nothing inherently evil or bad about EVs. In fact, the performance is amazing. They're interesting. I like how quiet they are on the highway. Um, but they're not the right thing. It's, it's going back to inappropriate, you know, diesel, for example. You know, some people don't need that big diesel truck, but... By all means, if you want it to America, go buy it. If you don't ever tow, I don't doesn't bother me. But at the same token, there may be somebody who really wants to push the limits of EV, and maybe it's inappropriate in their lifestyle because it doesn't have the range they really need, but they're going to force it in there anyway because they want to have that experience or they want to virtue signal or they like to be an early adopter of technology. I mean, people have a million different reasons for why they do things. Uh, just give us choice. That's all I want. I don't. I don't hate EVs. I don't hate diesel. I don't. Well, hate you're uh, off. I can't remember how much we've talked about it on the show, but. You've said a lot about hybridization. Hy- hybrids are 100% the way to go. We bought one. We got the 4 by grand. Why would you take a $100,000 vehicle with a battery that's so massive that you could split that battery 20 times and put them in the hybrid of 20 different vehicles or more and then give that electrification option and get it out there so you're getting people used to electrification and they still have their internal combustion engine. So... The beauty of that they is- They can still have can, unlimited range. You can still have unlimited range right. with the existing infrastructure. You can drive across the country tomorrow and not worry about it, but when you're around town, you're on electric mode. That's great. And then the other thing that's going to happen, um, I'm hearing a lot from friends within the uh, automotive industry, is the range extending uh, EVs. So that's going to be the ones that have a generator on board that you put gas into it and it charges the batteries while you drive, right. but it's not directly hooked up to the drivetrain. It's still a full EV, a full battery electric vehicle, but you know, so it's kind of like a locomotive and it's like yeah. a train. So it's just like Ram, you know, they talked about their, their, uh, was it Rev Ram or uh, range extending EV. 
uh, some future vehicles uh, that are made for work that can't just be BV like a pickup truck are going to have a, a genset on board that you put gas. It's going to be highly efficient because all it's going to do is run at one RPM to charge the batteries or however that works. And it's going to be an electric vehicle, but you'll have a gas version or a gas engine on board, but it won't touch the drivetrain. That gas engine to me, that makes sense is just, is just powering the batteries. It's right. not hooked up to the driveline or turning wheels or anything like that. So there's a lot of different, Don't we have a few of those in. already out. Don't no. isn't there. No, no. Uh, Ram, Ram, I think was the first one to talk about it as a concept. I know it's coming mm. to other uh, things as well. So, um, and the, and that makes sense too, right? Because then you are still using the existing fuel infra- infrastructure and you're probably a way more efficient because that engine doesn't have any load on it other than the battery. It's not going uphill. There's no wind resistance. It's just charging the batteries all the time. So I wonder if it can charge fast enough uh, to overcome the load though, you know, how fast uh, the, in, the uh, batteries I, are dissipating. I would think so. I mean, we'll, we'll I don't see. know. I mean, it might take a it might take a big Cummins like a six point seven no. liter genset to no, charge your not, car not fast enough. T- no, they're not no? taking an eight thousand pound truck. No, no, better no, than of, putting of a two thousand pound engine in it. No, of course not. But I just don't know. Like, if you, I, I'm that's exactly like little, right. You just don't know. I, I mean, don't know. We just like, have to wait to see what. Like, comes I, out. I feel like a little. Like for example, I mean, they're not making perpetual motion machines. No, I get it, but like, let's take my little Honda EU two thousand generator, right? It's a it's bigger than a suitcase, yeah. Right, probably weighs I don't know fifty pounds, something like that, and it doesn't put out all that much. Like, you but it was, it was also a thousand dollar generator that you yeah. bought at, that you bought at a sporting goods store. True. So we're talking about automotive companies selling you a, a sixty thousand dollar truck. All right, that is going to have a purpose built automotive grade genset on board. Okay, touche. Gotcha. So, so I mean, good point. It, it, we don't know in, in, until it comes out. So there, that's going to be the 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 I think this gap filler, the bridging, right, is going to be a range extending EV for we some need of these. To get vehicles. an expert on to talk about hybrids specifically. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Lightning? What's up, Holman? This is Matt Gamble. Uh, you've had me on the show once or twice, and I heard you guys had Vigilante 4x4 on, and, uh, man, that really uh, sparked some ideas in my head. I've got this 1970 Jeep Wagoneer sitting on the side of my house over here that is ready for a new home. By the way, he has, like, six cars on the side of his house. Uh, several Does large he know where all the parts are? are? No. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe if it's in pieces, I could cart it into my backyard and it could sit in the back here. I know. You don't we have would, enough room. would love to have an old uh, Wagoneer. Well? Uh, it's it's the early body with the Razor grill. Yeah. I've already got an LS in it. It's set up with an EFI fuel tank. Well, yeah, and, that sounds uh, awesome. it would make the perfect candidate for someone like Vigilante 4x4 to upgrade and finish and get back on the road. So, guys, help me move this thing out of my property. If anyone's interested, Lightning knows how to get a hold of me. All right. Thanks. I'm interested. Matt, if you pay me $10,000, I'll come pick it up. <laughs> no. What? He's looking to sell it, oh. obviously. Oh, I thought he was looking for somebody to just come pick it up. That's what I, I got out I don't of that. know what he paid for it, but I do think he's Oh, looking... he's paying for it now. Yeah, he is. Is his wife mad at him? Is well, that why it has to go? His fiance is like, get uh, it out. Yeah. Get it out. Yeah, he's the guy that uh, uh, is trademarking ADD, automotive deficit disorder, because he can't stop buying trucks. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I will find out what... Matt wants for that 1970 Jeep Wagoneer. If it sounds enticing to you, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. That's lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. This has been the Five Star. Five Star. Five Star. Hotline. Now imagine me standing on a street corner on a hot 
sunny afternoon in Sacramento, California, looking at a big old yellow sign that said Stellar Built. I waltz inside and I start drooling. Rob, so you're running the shop here at Stellar Built. Yes, I'm the manager here at Stellar Built, sir. This is a gorgeous facility. So I did a little bit of homework. I went on the website, and it turns out I was looking at your old building. Yes, we're working on a new website right now. Um, should be launching hopefully in a little less than a month. Going to start the e-commerce and everything. So. But I looked at the last building. I'm like, this is bitch, and I need to go. And it was, looked like, I don't know, five, 6,000 square feet. Yeah. Boom! I get up to Sacramento, and it's how many square feet? Uh, closer towards 18,000. Exactly. Three warehouses. Crazy. Yeah. So you got the showroom that we're standing in now. You've got a collection of coilovers, shocks, upper control arms, uh, fabricated billet, like everything you would imagine that you could put on a Toyota. Um, how did you guys become the authority in Toyotas? And I know you do a lot more than Toyota, but, like, I met Jesse. What's up, Jesse? <laughs> I met Jesse up at uh, Big Bear, Holcomb Valley. Anyway, so I run into Jesse, put him on a video, put him in the Banks to Toyota Tacoma because we were showing our new pedal monster, our throttle controller, and I'm trying to woo him, and I'm like, and I didn't know anything about Stellar. So later that night, I'm like, yeah, I was talking to one of the guys from Stellar Build. They're like, yeah, you know Stellar. I'm like, no, I don't. And they're like, what are you, a moron? You don't know about Stellar Build? Like, they are the authority in Northern California, especially for Toyota. How did that happen? Um, well, it actually started with the owner. He was a Mitsubishi Montero guy, but then he realized it's not necessarily reliable compared to a Toyota. So um, he got into the Land Cruisers, and from then on, he was stuck on Land Cruisers. He's like a Land Cruiser guru. He's probably owned, owned 20 of them over the years. Um, he probably has three or four at least here right now. Um, so Land Cruisers, and then we just snowballed that into working on Tacomas, Forerunners, every other Toyota available. No, but was he a mechanic? Was he in sales? Like, how did you start this? Because this is an operation. Like, all right, we've all been to a four-wheel parts location or something like that, right? Our neighborhood four-wheel drive shop. This is not that. This is the next level. This is where you come and you drool on things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's that type of spot. Yeah. So I think... Um, what gained his popularity was more of he was one of the first guys in this area kind of building some good fabricated bumpers some custom stuff like that so stellar built started out of the owner dimitri dolotov's garage at his house just building some metal making some bumpers doing basic lift kits for friends and stuff like that but it was dimitri and i met him but unfortunately we didn't get a chance to talk a lot but was he a mechanical engineer or is he just handy uh, he just works on his own stuff. He just does everything himself. He's a do-it-yourselfer, so. Okay. But that's basically how it started out of his garage. Um, just friends, lift kits here and there, nothing big and crazy, but that's how it starts. You know, and then you uh, got into a thousand square foot warehouse in Sacramento, then bumped to a 2,500, then five, and now we're here at 18. So we're growing. That's amazing, congrats. Did you just ride the wave of the Toyota enthusiasm or how on the podcast, we talk a lot of Ford, a lot of Ram, a, a lot of Jeep, a lot of GM, but not as much Toyota. I think it's Toyota owners get clowned a lot because it's big wheels, big tires go slow over. It's not overlanding. It's overloading. Right. And I think and, and also uh, Holman will say often that. Right. He's given me <laughs> he, he can't go on uh, go on audio is confirming what I'm saying is true. But the guys behind the counter are nodding their heads. The Tacoma has what, 15, 20 years. The Tacoma's been on the same platform. You know, so it's Toyota's very slow. They're methodical when they release an update. It's a really big deal. But like it's still they don't even have like they don't have boxed frames. Well, they 
do now, but that type of thing. So they were, Toyota's been the butt of a lot of jokes, despite the fact that it's a massive community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Toyota's always been the reliable ones. They've been the hitters since the Land Cruisers, you know, original, the 40s and stuff. Everybody loves those. Um, well, that's not a Tacoma. But the Tacoma's are the one that it, they exploded. Is it because it's like the Honda Civic of the off-road world? Um, I guess you could say that, yeah. I think, honestly, we get a more forerunners than Tacomas. Oh, okay. But uh, we do a lot. Those are our two most biggest platforms, Tacomas and Forerunners, so... And who do you see the audience being, and I know it's different all over the country, whether it's Colorado, New York, or California, Northern California, who's the audience, your audience? Is it, because I know that there was a, like a huge Pacific Islander thing happening in the, the Hawaiian, right? Is that because there are so many Toyotas in Hawaii that those who moved back to Southern California naturally bought Toyotas? Is there, or am I just seeing just a little part of the, the enthusiast? Um, I mean, if you're referring to like the, the base camp and stuff like that, that's thrown on by a lot of those guys. Um, that's a big part of their community there, uh, Hawaiian, Filipino, all those guys. Um, great community. They're, they're so I didn't see a good cross-section is what you're saying. I just saw a little niche. Maybe right? because of that event. I yeah, got you. Because okay. they're the ones hosting it. Come here, Jesse. That's a weird event to go to for your first time being at like a Toyota meet, um, like a Toyota specific event, because there's a lot of these old school events, you know, like California four-wheel drive clubs. There's the Toyota Land Cruiser Association. They're all old 56 year old guys that just have always loved Toyotas. Those are the events that you definitely want to go check out if you want to get into Toyota stuff. Got it. Okay, so what I saw was definitely not representative of the overall Toyota enthusiast community. Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. We got a wide, wide range of people here, so. Can we go for a tour? See what you got cooking? Yeah, for sure. All right. All right, so we're going to exit the showroom and go to building number 1A. I just made that up. I have no idea if they're numbered or lettered. This is the fabrication department. Fabrication, all right. Zigzag between the buildings. We'll go over here. And I'm greeted by a set of, holy crack, Mickey 43s. Thompson 43s. 43s on 20s. Yep. Yes. This is going for, this is actually our lead fabricator, his forerunner back there in the corner. He's working on his own. So he just did the whole front frame, got his 43s, got his new wheels. He's got more money in the tire and the so wheels than the, the body. 20 inch KMC beadlocks, legitimate beadlocks. Mm -hmm. These are all machined. Are these custom? 43 by 15 on 20. That's this, a sexy wheel. This is a badass setup. <laughs> For sure. Um, okay, so yeah, this is the fabrication department. So all the big heavy lifting, long-term builds and uh, expensive builds are in this room. So right here, we got a uh, double cab Toyota Tacoma, third gen, and we just put a Hellcat motor in it. We got a, a, Ford, a Ford TTB front suspension on it and uh, a Dana 60 swap in the back. We're, we might swap the, the axle, but um, we got a behemoth transfer case in the back as well. So basically the only thing that's still a Toyota on this thing is the cab and the doors. Okay, now, at what point did Dimitri or you guys as a team graduate into this type of build? Where it went from, again, bumpers in his garage to full-blown, you could call this trophy truck equipment, right? Yeah, I would say it's, it's borderline. It's trophy there. truck adjacent? Yeah, pretty much, yes, okay. exactly. Um, well, I mean, this is the first type of build that we've done that this has been this gnarly. Um, we've done, we do plenty of framework, boxing, fabrication, straight axles, all that stuff we've been doing for a couple years now, no problem. Um, but this is the first uh, huge motor, TTB, like basically almost full frame off, you know, rebuild. So um, this one's taken a little while to do, but it's, it's being done right. That's why. 
Now, this is a customer's truck or in-house? This is a customer's truck, but he's actually a really good customer. He's uh, actually the owner of Miso Customs. He makes a bunch of really cool uh, LED, 3D printed, cool accessories for Toyotas. Uh, like they make the new key fobs that you swap out to the aftermarket ones. They do these little LED drop-ins on puddle lights and the little 3D printed links inside, like the dome light. A bunch of the cool little like accessory things on the internals, okay. on the inside. Gotcha. The Where there's a high margin and a lot of profit to buy labor from you. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we have a good partnership with him. Um, so we've done a couple different builds from him. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a video on the long travel Tundra that we built for him. So that's on Stellar Built's YouTube channel? Correct, exactly. There's a full rig check video on that one. Um, we'll obviously do another rig check on this one. We were waiting for motor. And we By the way, that is a great title of a segment, Rig Check. Rig I'm check. so upset I didn't come up with that. Damn. Sure. Um, so we, yeah, we've been working on this one for a while, but we were waiting for some parts. And he was getting anxious, so he's like, hey, why don't we just build a long travel Tundra while we're waiting for my Tacoma build? So we're like, all right, sure, bring us a truck. So we built a full long travel one. You should check that out. But um, this one's going to be pretty badass. We're actually making pretty good headway in the last couple months here. Now, um, on the, I see the oil pan on the, uh, on the Hellcat engine. You had, this is a fabbed uh, oil pan that you had to make it, you had to make it shallower because of the chassis here? Correct. Yeah. So we had to modify it. So we wanted it to be, you know, high clearance and stuff. We just don't want any, you know, issues there. If you didn't tell me that this wasn't a trophy truck, I wouldn't know that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's necessarily going to get into any competitions, but he wants to do all the same fun stuff. Okay. Running, racing, jumping through the desert. What do you call this articulation when the pivot for the axle is on the opposite side of the chassis? You're talking about the TTB. Is that the TTB? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. This is TTB, twin traction beam. Ah, there so you go. So it's the most flex articulation you can get while still retaining the four-wheel drive. Okay. Yeah. Over here, on, oh, this, one on the Bronco. Off of. So this is, this is another Bronco, the full complete Bronco. This is the same stuff. See, this is the ones, I see the stuff at Pismo, like in the air, right? Correct. What was the jump competition Correct. they used to have at Pismo? What's that? Huckfast. Huckfast. Okay. Yeah, um, so you would see the stills, like in, on Instagram, it was always one of these suspensions. Like, yeah, it looked really bizarre, like it was broken, but of course it's not. Yeah, so this is, this is what basically we stole the front end off of. So you cut off the frame, we just put it all in over there and match it up to the Toyota frame. Um, obviously, this is all upgraded, though. We got the Solo Motorsports radius arms, the rear trailing arms, all that stuff, all the upgraded cool stuff. What does it got? Dana 44 upgraded hubs and stuff? Yep. Yeah. Maybe so, to Toyota lug pattern as well, which is kind of cool. That's what Solo does. So this is a full Solo long travel kit for the Bronco that we just made it to the Tacoma. Correct. Whose brakes are these? These are uh, power brakes. Look at these massive brakes in here. Well, obviously, you can tell that's a two-piece rotor, and it's a big boy. But look at this caliper. I'm following him to the back of the shop here. Look at this. Yep. So this is a big six-piston oh, yeah. caliper, I would assume. Yep. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, this is the biggest one they offer, the best one they have. Um, I think stage two, three, but it's the biggest one they have. Yeah. I have not heard of Power Break before. Where are they out of? Um, so these are like OG South uh, Africa guys, like okay. Dakar racing, stuff like that. They're big over there, Australia and uh, South Africa. Um, but they have a full lineup for all Toyota models, uh, and we're Toyota guys, so like these have the best in the market, and so that's why we, we like these guys. Shout out to Delon over there. Yeah, this is as opposed to like a Willwood or a Brembo that look organic and they, they have roundness to them. This one's very geometric, the caliper. Yeah. Like it's very hard at milled edges that look very unique. I haven't seen anything like this before. It looks powerful, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have their D-line brake kit on my Tacoma as well. Now, ECGS. 
East Coast Gear Supply. So they're wow. the ones that build axles for custom sets and whatever. Uh, you call them up, tell them what you're with, your measurements, all your stuff, and they'll, they'll build it to your spec, basically. Got the Toyota lug pattern on it. We might be swapping out this axle for maybe something a little bit more lightweight, a Ford Camber. nine inch Camber, Camber. something, something okay. like that. All right, Jerry, you're gonna have to make a call to these guys. Stellar built, they're, uh, they're dialing. Jerry, yeah, ring, we, ring, ring. We like, we like Camber. Who's our guy there, Brian? Uh, yes. Brian, Brian at Camber, he's okay. cool. Um, so this is a straight axle right here. So this is what we call the Mag Runner. We got a, a, a YouTube series on this one as well. Uh, I think we have one or two videos released right now. I think there's two, yeah. Two videos. Okay. So this is the Mag Runner on 42s, the 42 runner. Uh, so it's got Super Duty axles, uh, you know, Dana 60 in the front, a Sterling 10 and a half in the rear. This one's on 42s, on 17s, uh, King Coilovers. So the customer that brings this to you, mm -hmm. do you uh, Tell me about this customer. What, what, did he come in for a mild build and it just kept growing, growing? Or did he say, I want to go big, crazy, put 42s on my 4Runner? Like what? So this one right here is a little bit different of a situation because we came in to save the day on this one. The owner of this vehicle, uh, he's in the military. He travels, he gets you know deployed wherever here and there. Somebody else started a build. They had some personal issues, whatever happened on that, they couldn't complete it. It sat there, not being worked on for too long. Uh, they called us, we, we drove up to, out of state to go pick it up, we brought it back just to save the day and finish the build for him. Okay. So yeah, uh, they already had basically the IFS cut out, it was just down to the frame, just a barely start of it. Um, so luckily we didn't have to like reverse any fab stuff. Um, not to say that they don't do good work, they just didn't have the time for it. So we get to start fresh with this. So Adam, our lead fabricator has been I mean, take a look at the welding. Uh, this on. is the biggest, craziest stuff I've seen on Toyotas. Take a look at the welding on the, on the knuckles here, all around here for the truss. This is Barnes. Shaved. Shaved kit from Ballistic. So you got that You're one. You're talking about the, uh, the front diff here? Yeah, the front diff. So you see how it's nice and flat? Yep. So you shave an wow. inch and a quarter, inch and a half. Massive, massive clearance. So instead of that big pointy piece that always would get hung, hung up on a rock, you nice and flatten it out, and then you put this protection here. You get an inch and a half of clearance and a nice smooth little skid plate on the bottom of that too. That's like a rock crawler's Achilles heel is the, the front diff. And yeah, that one little point will just get you wedged up on a rock and you're stuck. Solved. Yeah. They solved it. Right here. Yeah. Ballistic. They make some good stuff. What year is this for? runner this one's probably like a 17 or so okay yeah um so he's got the front sitting on the weight now uh, under its own weight now he's moving to the back how much do you kick the front end out so for, like the axle i would guess looks like it's almost a foot further forward was, than the stalker would be i would say somewhere between eight inches and a foot yeah okay. somewhere around there but normally you're you're on stock 29s not 42s so <laughs> right 29s to 42s. So this is our next huge build. Um, and then right next to it, uh, it looks like a, a dumpster, but it's a third gen 4Runner. I mean, I wasn't going to say it. I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, so this is the lead fabricators. This is a personal one. He's had this for years. He's built it, wheeled it, broken it, rebuilt it. And so now he's doing his next version. Um, so he's, there's axles right here. I mean, look at the, the work on that axle right there. Mackerel. This front axle is ridiculous the trussing the gusseting holy shnikes yes so, so he's gonna run full hydro then what's kind of unique is he's, he's gonna run a front four link usually people run a three link but he, since he cut off his entire front axe or front frame he's able to run a four link in the front which is kind of cool <laughs> and unique it's buggy stuff Kind of like this front end build, but he's just taking it to the next level. Same axle, but he's okay. got the full trussing and everything from R-Tech, the full hydro protection. And like he said, he's gonna run a four link on here instead because this is straight up only a trailer rig. Okay. Yeah. So 
in this shop here, it's fab. I see you've got a plasma table over here for cutting. Uh, you've got a press break, mm -hmm. all the standard fabrication tools. Then we are walking into the other side of this warehouse where I see you've got a couple of couches. Oh my God, see, I thought the couch in our studio was disgusting. This takes the cake. That's the casting Dude, couch. Dude, yeah, we had a, so we call ours the casting couch. <laughs> Babies have been made in that sucker right there. Wait, it's being held up by a paint bucket. That is epic! Oh, I'm taking this, a picture of that. This couch has made it through, I think, four different stellar-built buildings, so this has been around for a while. It's like How? one of those, it's like that one piece of, uh, one underwear you just can't throw away, even though it's got holes in it and everything. By you the just... way, this looks like a pair of underwear that has been, uh, whoo, thrown in the hamper dirty. So this is the, uh, this is the main warehouse. This is the service uh, shop. So this is the day in, day out, the lift kits, the bolt-in, the, the standard stuff. We got the mountain balance wheels and tires over here. We got alignment rack. Uh, we have four lift racks right here. Um, so all of our day-to-day -day weekly stuff is, is in this room right here. It's so funny. I'm sure you know shops that do thing, similar work, suspension, such. Mm -hmm. So few of them have alignment racks. They have to like tr limp it down the street, yeah. right? It's all sideways and cockeyed to have it aligned, but you guys are right here, right yeah. by the bay door. That's, that's super convenient. Well, I can see right now you've got a Lexus uh, that looks pretty stock to me. I can't tell from here until we walk over to it, but it looks stockish and it's on the alignment rack. And yeah, I would suspect that this guy trusts you more than he does his local shop. Yeah, so we just geared that thing. Did we throw a locker in that one or no? No, we did not. Okay, so we just geared that. That's a Lexus 100 series, so it's an LX 470. And then he just needed a fresh alignment as well, so. What's the most common operation that you do? Like, what are you bolting on the most? Are you doing bumpers? Are you doing? Um, the one thing that we do every single day, three inch lift on a Toyota Tacoma or a Toyota 4Runner. Okay. That's the thing we do the most. Yep. We do probably five to 10 a week, oh, somewhere wow. around there, maybe two a day. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Are you looking forward to the, uh, the new 24? The new Tacoma? Yeah. Yeah, we're excited to see what the specs are and what, what the suspension and everything looks about it. Yeah, for sure. We're a little bit more excited about the Land Cruiser coming out, though. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. We want to put our name on one of those, get it on the list, so hopefully get the, the first one on the allocation in this area, Absolutely. maybe. Absolutely. All right, what else we got cooking? Um, so, yeah, so some of our shop builds. Um, so these are our in-house crawlers. So this is the owner's crawler. This is a fourth-gen 4Runner. Uh, the V8 one on 42s, full king setup, all the same axles that you saw on the other trucks over there. Proven. Had a lot of fun this last weekend at Sierra Trek up there uh, off of Fort Ice. Uh, this is Josh's trucks, uh, our lead technician that's out here. Uh, this is his uh, on 40s, um, leaf sprung, budget build, but it works. The whole weekend at Sierra Trek at Fort Ice, he was like the recovery rig. He went up and down Fort Ice, no joke, 10 times with not one issue. So it was pretty good. So yeah, these two are our in-house stock, stock engines. Yeah, stock engines. I mean, with this one, we got some headers on it, some exhaust, but this is completely stock. Okay. Nothing like performance-wise. Okay. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with throwing a little... Uh, Pedal Monster? Pedal yeah. Monster. Um, this one right here is our corporate cruiser. So this is Land Cruiser 200 series. Um, so we put a Tundra front-end suspension on it. So it's got a Total Chaos uh, front suspension on it, which oh, is actually nice. turns it into a long travel for the uh, 200 series. So it's two inches wider on each side. Um, you can see that instantly. For yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, running descent bumpers, front and rear. Been at descent, shout out. Uh, definitely one of our guys. Are, are these, the, the bumper descent, is that modular? It looks like it's it modular. Is. Okay. It is, yeah. He designs all of his stuff modular. It's, it's great. So you can start with the base and then you can add everything to it. Okay. The rear, the rear is awesome as well. Dual swing, 
great build, you know, just designed right, just great quality. Uh, we modified it to put a winch in the rear as well. Okay. Man, you're hanging everything on the back of this thing. So you got another, what is that, a 48, a 38? 37. 37, 37, 37. Yeah. I like the uh, the shock absorber, so when the yep. the, the uh, spares swing out, doesn't swing it out, doesn't yeah. swing and destroy anything. So you got a table fold out. We modified it to hold the big old heavy Pro Eagle right here. Um, so yeah, this is one of our, our shop builds too. So um, we just call this one the Corporate Cruiser. And then our next one right here, this is our other uh, shop truck. This is our parts runner, powder coat getter, you know, stuff like that. So this is a third gen Tacoma as well. Um, we have a Mitz alloy. This is our Australian uh, build. This is our Aussie taco. So we have a Mitz alloy uh, flatbed on the back of this. This is Trey here. They're out of Australia. Um, we have full Dobinson suspension, MRRs, front to rear. Shout out to David Otero at Dobinson's. Um, we have a Sherpa rack on it. We have a descent front bumper, just like this guy over here. Yep. Um, so this is the truck, actually, if you check out our YouTube, Stellar Built, we have this on snow tracks. You see the snow tracks up there in the- uh, I did see that, yes. Okay, yeah, yep. so this is the one that everybody sees when this on the snow tracks, it's just a, a tension getter. So um, it's in summer mode, obviously, right now. So we're waiting for uh, 74 Weld to uh, send us some portals for this one, and then we're gonna go to Dude, 40s probably. That would be, he's making quite a little splash with those portals. Oh yeah, when you think about the what you're getting for it, it looks like a big ticket, everybody gets that, but you get gearing, you get rear disc brake conversion, you get lift, you get width, plus it's billet aluminum, it looks killer. Plus it's something cool that nobody else has yeah. yet, so you gotta be the first. Um, and then this guy over here, all these guys are four wheel drive, but we have a supercharged Tundra pre-run over here. This is actually Jesse's personal vehicle. Um, so Jesse, step up. One. Come on, let's walk over. <laughs> all right, what's up? So yeah, it's a four and a half inch solo kit in the front. So it's got Dana 44 hubs. It's got the factory TRD supercharger. Um, obviously, you know, bumper, Bajas. Rear is back half, uh, just spring under for right now. Uh, plan on doing trailing arms, but we'll see. 18-inch uh, shocks in the rear, duals in the back, dual tires in the this back. This feels like a SoCal truck to me. He bought right. it I did. I did fly out to SoCal to buy it for sure. I feel like Riverside, San Bernardino. Where'd you find it? Just yeah, around there. <laughs> yeah. And it's got a little bit of lean to it. It's got, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a whole lot of Carolina to it, but some. You got you right. to sit in the whoops, you know? Right. When you're going 70 in the whoops, you got to be able to sit in there. So that's why you see a lot of these trucks sitting okay. in the back end. Yeah. And you got, you got uh, some PRP seats in there. I yep. do, yep. And I'm actually, the reason it's in right now is I'm doing some motor work as well as I'm setting up uh, the harnesses. Okay. The reason also why it's taller in the front is because it's a two-wheel drive, you can get a little bit more travel by doing uh, two-wheel drive spindles, which actually lift it up a couple inches that you can uh, only do on a two-wheel drive. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then the last, uh, the last impressive one we have here is uh, all the way from Australia, this one right here. Take a look at this bad boy. Look at this with the Aussie badges just under the snorkel. This is four-wheel drive, 24-7, uh, Sean's, Shano's. They're Shano and Graham. They're the guys on that YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Well-known four-wheel drive YouTube guys. This is his personal vehicle. So it's a 60 series, uh, dropped on a 80 series chassis and engine. Um, and then they cut it in half to make it kind of like a ute with the tray on the back. Once again, it's a Mitz alloy. Okay. So they call it the Dirty 30 because they cut the 60 in half. And what's up within the engine compartment? What am I seeing here? I see the radiator where it's supposed to be, and this is not an intercooler. So this is uh, something really cool that we're not allowed to have here in the States. This is the actual uh, diesel motor for the Australians. Well, that would explain it. There it is, 24 valve turbo diesel on the valve cover. HDFTE. 
So we don't get these cool things until they're 25 years old and you can import them over here. Um, so we don't get to play with all the cool diesel stuff on this stuff. But suspension, got a fab, fabbed air box right here, mm -hmm. um, intercooler that is sitting horizontal where you'd expect to see a hood scoop. So the hood scoop is going right into the intercooler, yep. right? Top mount, yeah. This is a pretty badass truck, very popular online. Um, so they came over here, they shipped it over here from Australia to do a couple of the, the badass trails here in Northern California, Moab. Um, that was cheap, ship, shipping it over. Rubicon, yeah. Or uh, not. I'm sure it wasn't cheap. <laughs> it, it takes a while too, I guess. Um, so they have to get like a visa for the vehicle specifically and they have to keep it here for nine I think, months. I think he mentioned, yeah, it's minimum nine months this vehicle has to stay here now because of the shipment. I don't know um, if it's just timing wise or when you can get a container, but it's minimum nine months this truck has to stay here. And that's Interesting. Why it's here. So we might as well build it for him. Right? Yeah, so it's a pretty, pretty standard. Well, I'll take that back. It's not standard, but pretty... A uh, good Australian build, but he loves how our trucks are over here. So he's like, let's do some American suspension. Let's go kind of wild with it. So we're going to start. Now, well, hold on a second. If you do wild suspension and it goes up, can he drive it back in Australia? Because they have really strict rules down there. That's not our problem. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to have to figure that out. I'm sure Just he's going to. Just de deflate the tires and make it look smaller. If your pockets are deep enough, I'm sure you can make something right, happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, we haven't uh, officially made a plan yet, but we're gonna probably redo some stuff here and and, and beef it up a little bit. Okay. Um, but this thing is really cool. Check out the inside. I mean, like the back end, it's it's all awesome as hell. All right. It's weird, dude. The steering wheel's on the wrong side. Hey, wait a minute. I don't know how to drive this thing. So yeah, this is uh this is one of the most unique ones that we've ever had come through this shop. This is absolutely amazing. This is exactly what I would expect to take off road in Australia. Like yeah. this is. When you say it's an Australian four-wheel drive, this is what you'd expect. Yes. It's exactly. so cliche, but perfect. You got the tray, you got the canopy, everything's all in encased. And, you know, they don't do like a lot of the swing out stuff. They really like these. Uh, put that in the back. It, it's, it's awesome, man. We really love this. Well, truck. everything it's is really sturdy. Like yes. this is, there's nothing feeble on this. This is made to be beaten. Yes, the Australian Outback is pretty uh, pretty rough, so you need something good. And those beadlocks have been worn, they're gouged. Um, so yeah, so I can't wait to start this build, see where it go from there. Oh, what's he got in here? Oh, Jesse's opening up here. We're looking, so he's got a pack, he's got a sleeping bag in here. All and, Red Arc stuff oh, back here. Oh, wow, see Red Arc? Because oh, yeah. isn't Red Arc out of Australia? We love their stuff for electrical. Anything electrical, dual batteries, solar, even as basic as trailer brake wire and stuff like that. Like we love Red Arc stuff. Yeah, very believe, simple, uh, very easy. I, I believe Sean, my counterpart has some Red Arc uh, battery management, voltage management on the yeah. back of his Jeep, his 392, yeah. yeah. One of the best out there. Okay. Yeah, so that's it for some of the bills that we have in the shop right now. Now don't try to gloss over the elephant in the room here. Why is there a white Rolls Royce? These are these are Bentleys. So these Bentleys. Are, these are two fifty four Bentleys. Okay. This one just got restored and motors done and everything. So basically, the owner uh, of Stellar built he rents these out for um, weddings and graduations and stuff like that. So so my grandfather had a fifty six Bentley and two tone silver and black, mm -hmm. and it looked identical to this. Oh no, it didn't. It was much longer. This is wicked cool. What is the purple? all over the metal. It looks like- So that's um, the chrome peeling it, off. Oh, is that what it is? Cause yeah. it looks like opal. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that, but you can just tell it's it's kind of just old and peeling off. So we got it running and driving, everything's no, but looking good. By the good. way, it looks on purpose. Like I thought you guys did this. No, no, no. This is weird. He's gonna eventually take it off and redo all these okay. little tiny details. I thought here. that was on purpose. You should leave it. This one's, <laughs> this one's gonna be the next one. Uh, I don't think this one's even running at all. I think it, 
does run, but it's limping. It's limping. Um, okay. We yeah. wanted to do an LS in it, but um, because of how the steering works on these, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, pretty much goes straight six or something. Exactly. Yeah. So we gotta okay. find the best straight six with high horsepower that'll fit in there. Yeah. Talking about LS swaps, we got an LS swap in this 80 series over here, though. All right, let's go see this 80 series. That one's gonna be the next Land Cruiser build for the owner. Tires, if you guys are in Northern California and you're looking for tires, they have a lot of them. Yes. Uh, we stock mostly mackerel. 33 to 35s. Uh, you wouldn't miss this uh, ARB twin compressor kit, would you? Right here. Yeah, just pull out the back of the truck, out the back door. <laughs> Damn, you stock, like, there's dozens of them here. Yeah. A lot of King. Holy mackerel. A lot of King, a lot of Dobbinsons. We do the most Dobbinsons, actually. Uh, that's our biggest account. We do a ton of Dobbinsons. They make a, they have an application for pretty much anything because they're, they're all over the world. They're out of Australia. They're out of, you know, South America, everywhere. Okay. Uh-oh. Right at someone. This is a dusty vehicle. Very, very dusty vehicle. Yes. Holman, on the passenger back window, there's a wiener. And it says Wienermobile. That is awesome. You don't know this, but Holman puts... Uh, penises everywhere he goes yeah whether it's on paper or in dust or in dirt there's a couple of hidden penis stickers on some of the shop trucks out here underneath some hidden in the wheel wells <laughs> and stuff this is uh ls swapped 80 series um i mean super clean in and out all original other than the motor uh we found this online out of kansas or somewhere somewhere in the midwest and supposedly it was built by a guy who works at chevrolet he was an engineer an engineer yeah. there um so it's all done professionally and right but this is the next one on the chopping block for uh, getting suspension, wheels, tires, and building it out. Yeah, I mean, other than the engine, this looks like a stock truck. Well, it's, if, is it lifted, or is it just up on blocks right now? Uh, it's on a basic small lift, just a simple entry-level lift. Gotcha. Um, super clean, you know, almost impossible to find an 80 series without cracks on the dash. Yeah, this is, there's no cracks, there's original, no discoloration. Original manuals. Look at this little guy right here. This is a Lexus. Oh, it's got a Motorola phone in it. A, no way. Original Lexus. Lexus, Lexus branded phone. There's the oh, phone number. That's, by the way, you know what this is called over here? This, this pink right here? What? This piece? That's Dymo tape. Okay. Dymo. Oh, yeah, I'm, Dymo, cause, Dymo. Because yeah. I'm freaking old. Yeah. The number. Wait, wait. What is the number? Well, it's from Kansas. I don't know what the right. radio code five, is. 586. No, 565-3312. Call yes. it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this one ha actually has a dual case as well. It's got uh, one of those uh, black boxes. Um, so it has, has dual range on that. Um, I, our suspension that we're going to put on this is Dobbinson's, as you can see, a big wall of Dobbinson's. Okay. And tell me more about Dobbinson's. Uh, Dobbinson's is just an Australian company. They've been around since, I think, 1954 or something like that. Long, long time. Why do you um, choose them over the other brands that are made in the States or, you know, a, a King or an Eibach, et cetera? Um, because they're kind of the OGs, um, been around forever. They have their hands in basically all the Toyotas. Um, also, the way that they build their shocks... Um, it's high performance. You got adjusters, you got resis, you got all that stuff. But the mounting still utilizes Toyota factory style rubber mounting, and as opposed to say spherical bearings on like a, a Kings or a Radfler or whatever, which is high performance. It's great. It's awesome. But high performance is high maintenance. You know, not everybody wants to be working and rebuilding and doing that shit all the time. So this is one of our best sellers because one, it's fairly budget friendly compared to their you know counterparts in the market. Uh, two reliability and de dependability, man. Like a lot of people just like low maintenance, no maintenance. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, Toyota, you buy it because it's reliable. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things you install and you forget about it. So unless something happens or you're really like beating the piss out of your truck, you know, you got nothing to worry about on that. Nice. Those are all the cool rigs around here. But yeah, this is just the third warehouse. This is the far warehouse, overflow parking, uh, parts storage, 
Uh, we install a whole bunch of GoFast uh, campers, so the GFCs. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those, but it's like a camper shell. On Graham a has been on the show oh, yeah. at least half a dozen times. Perfect, yeah. So we're in partnership with them. Great product. Um, we love their stuff. We install all of their stuff right here. We're the Sacramento location installer for them. Quite an operation you got Sacramento going on here. I know, right? So, so what you can't see is it's a forklift. <laughs> we, we, we released a rig check on this one too, a YouTube video on this one. I'm sure you did. I've, I've but you in, haven't upgraded the wheels and tires. We'll get there, we'll get there. But <laughs> I've worked in a lot of different warehouses. I've never been in a warehouse where they had a brand new forklift. It's so nice to have a brand new forklift. Nope, you should see ours at Banks. It is a Nissan, yeah. and you, you've never seen one that's so beat up. Yeah. It is, it's just, we have to 10, 15. Now, I will say that the warehouse, they have electric ones mm -hmm. that are brand new, but we don't get to play with those in the race shop. We have ours is beat up from the feet up. Yeah, well, when we're looking for a new forklift, I mean, we're not not going to go with a Toyota, so we had to just wait to find the right one. Uh, it took a little while to get, but we got a pretty good deal on it, and we're happy we got what it. What's a forklift cost? 30 grand? Like yeah, somewhere around there. But the used ones were like twenty something, so it was like, why get a used yeah, one? Yeah, used with, with a whole bunch of hours, so it's like just pay a little bit extra and get the yeah. brand new one. You got a lot of leaf springs on the ground, a lot of oh man, bunch it's of axles laying around, a lot of eye candy, whole bunch of bumpers and powder coats laying around. We're starting construction on this right here, so it's going to be our uh, employee break room and office um, because we're kind of all on a hot day like today. If you caught us on break, every single guy runs into the office and everybody's huddling by the AC and stuff like that. And so we're, we're building this out here to be our little break room kitchen. And, and you're going to put a pool table in upstairs or downstairs? Um, we'll talk about that one, but, um, <laughs> but it's going to be more like uh, the, the video editing for YouTube channel, um, some podcast stuff. And yeah, just there will be a full kitchen though. There will be a full oh, kitchen. Smart, yeah, smart. For sure. I mean, listen, you got to make sure that the employees are happy. If they're cool, the, the quality that they put out is better Then they go home happier. They come to work happier. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on that note. Yeah. We uh, switched to four tens. So we have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. That was a big benefit for our, uh, you know, employees. And how did that affect, uh, productivity? Honestly, you know, working 10 hour days instead of an eight hour day, you take off one extra day of the week of all the downtime of starting up and stopping, you get more done in a 10 hour day than throughout the week, I feel like. Um, plus, we, we build some badass toys. We wanna play with our badass toys on the weekend and a two day weekend isn't enough, so. It's kinda like the surf companies down in Orange County. They, they take every Friday off to go surfing. They're trying to like, this is the culture, deal with it. Exactly, yeah, and in a business like us, when we're appointment only, um, it doesn't really affect our scheduling or customers, something like that, because we're booked out maybe two to three weeks at a time. So it's really no loss of customers or anything like so that. So you're not, if, if I want an alignment and I just roll up, you're like, mm, sorry, buddy, make an appointment, come back a couple weeks. Something very small like an alignment, we usually make that happen. Um, but like today, somebody showed up with a bunch of lift parts and they're like, hey, I just want to drop off my truck and get a lift. We're like, negative. Sorry, buddy. Uh, two weeks out. So yeah, um, it's it's not a big deal. But yeah, we, we love having four day, uh, three day weekends, four day work weeks. So it's nice. Let's get back out of the warehouse. Yes. All right. Here. You don't want to tell them about yours? Oh, this, is the other, this, is, this is my 80 series. It looks like it just came from a junkyard, but uh, it's got all the goods underneath. I thought it was headed to a junkyard, to be honest. We were gonna, we were gonna scrap it, but it's got too many good parts on it, so I'm just gonna build it up. I Screw mean, the it. glass is not broken, so there's that. Yeah, it's got no, no grill, no lights, no if bumpers. If you look under, it's geared, it's got the axles that are all trussed. I mean, it's it's a rock I see a Dobinson sticker yeah. right yeah. through here, yep. If it's you got a Land Cruiser, the only option is Dobinson's. Come on now. Uh, waiting for the descent bumpers on it, but yeah, it's got all the goods underneath. This is actually the owner's truck. He sold it to me, just waiting for you know title and all the stuff. Um, but I have full Dobinsons ready for it. Gonna go 37 or 38s, maybe 38 Nitto Ridge Grapplers, descent bumpers. 
turnkey straight axle wheeler, ready to go, man. 80 series, the it's best of the best. It's incredible how the Land Cruiser market has exploded, what, in just the last, less than 10 years, right? Um, I mean... I mean, look, I'm not saying they haven't always been popular, yeah. but it's kind of like the Porsche guys. There have always been Porsche collectors, mm -hmm. but in the last decade, it's gone through the roof. The same thing with Land, Cru Land Cruisers. Now, maybe that's because a whole other generation of guys came up who are 40, 50, and now they have discretionary income. Right. Or I don't right. know what it is, but let's be honest. I, I don't think, again, they were always popular, but now they're just, you can't touch one for price-wise, like they're, unless you know someone. Yeah, I mean, in the last couple of years, I mean, at the beginning of COVID and during COVID, price the market is just insane. Every Toyota was just double the price of what it used to be. You, you, you sell that thing for $3,000 10 years ago, seven years ago, but two years ago, right at the beginning of COVID, people want fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 for that. I guess that's just is what it is because there's such a demand. Everybody wanted to do recreational stuff, so. I think want. it's pretty crazy. I mean, the Toyota market is, it's just got crazy over, you know, the time of COVID, everyone sitting there on their phones, looking through Instagram, just, really wanting to get outdoors well they were still making a paycheck and they were at home right. with time and money to spend yeah anything recreational honestly during covid just uh, industry-wise went crazy through the roof i mean what are you going to do if somebody tells you hey sit at home and and you can't go anywhere you can't do anything no i'm going to go to the mountains and i'm going to go camp and i'm going to go wheel you know right. um but yeah I'm, I'm excited to build that one i'm just waiting for all the, the rest of the parts okay so rounding out the tour here we're back in the office in, in the showroom how do people find Stellar Built and how do they make an appointment? What do they do if they want you to work on? And do you have preferred rigs? I know we talked about Tacomas, Tundras, mm -hmm. Land, Land Rovers, Land Cruisers. StellarBuilt.com? Yeah, StellarBuilt.com website, StellarBuilt Instagram, StellarBuilt YouTube. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us, sales at StellarBuilt.com. Uh, if you want to call us, 916-882-0333 or Jesse's line is 916-701-5114. Okay. Yeah. So we, we talked about Toyotas all day long. We do Jeeps. We do Sprinter vans. We do Subarus. We do all four-wheel drive, um, even not four-wheel drive. If you want a bumper, lights, accessories, we, we do it all. We do aftermarket cool accessories. We, we don't like to do – we don't do normal maintenance stuff. We Don't call us if you want an alternator swapped out or your star – you know, like some simple normal maintenance stuff. I could throw a rock and hit 10 different mechanic shops in the area that does basic stuff. We, right. do, we do the accessory upgrade stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you'll do it all. You just have been, and I don't want to sound like I'm pigeonholing you into the Toyota thing, but there's a lot of Toyota products here, and you guys are crushing it. But again, if I've got a Bronco, what if I have a Maverick? A Maverick, Ford Maverick. Yeah, we're lifting we, one next week. We're lifting one next week, and we boom. We've been putting Go Fast campers on them. They just came out with a Go Fast camper design for that. Really? You know how the Maverick has the yeah. slope back end window yeah. thing, so they have a Go Fast for that, and we're lifting one. Uh, next week, so yeah. Nice. We do all it all, right. man. We do Raptors. Raptors are a big thing. What's, what's another? T Rex. <laughs> T Rex. Uh, the, the Colorado uh, ZR2s. Those ones. We're Cummins in about two weeks. Um, oh, I, we do the big I am. I am working too. on a quote with a customer with a TRX right now. Full bumper, front, rear, lift kit, everything. Um, ADD. Uh, I'm not sure. He's he's got a lot of his own parts, so he's. He, we're talking right now. He's going to give me a full parts list, and I'm just going to run through it and see. Are you okay with it? Some shops are like, hey, if we don't sell you the parts, we're not going to install them because you could be missing bolts, nuts. You might, like, it, it could open up a bag of worms, right? Uh, can of worms? Are there bags of worms? No, they're cans of worms. 
Yeah. There are some pitfalls to customer supplied parts, um, but we don't have any problem with that. Um, because we are a Toyota specialist, most of our vendors are Toyota related. Um, we do have some vendors that have all makes and models. Uh, we don't have a problem with customer supply parts, but our requirement is you got to give us a full parts list. We have to review it. We have to go through it. You can't just say, hey, I got parts to lift my truck and just show up on the day of. We got to know what we're getting into. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right, ladies and gents, StellarBuilt.com is where you go to salivate like I will be in a few minutes. Here we go. I'm typing it in and I need some private time. See you guys later. So, Holman, as we're taking the tour through Stellar Built, there's a guy kind of like waiting off in the wings. He's just like following us around. He, he works at Stellar Built, I, I assumed. And uh, and then it turns out he's a fan of ours. Really? What? So I had to As put, in listens to the show? I had to put a mic on him. All right. So, Spiros, you're hanging out. You actually work at Stellar Built up here in Sacramento, California. And as soon as you walked in the door, you're like, I know this guy. I was like, oh, no. Is that bad? Tell me about listening to the Truck Show podcast. It's a good podcast, good way to kill time, and uh, good info. You're saying that I don't destroy it? <laughs> I try. No, 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 no. It's good. It's good. A lot of gas talk. Wish there would be more diesel talk. But, you know, it's a, just a truck show podcast. I try to get more diesel in, but a Mr. Holman pushes it back to Jeep content or whatever. Yeah. He's not. Oh, although he did just interview my boss, Gail Banks. Oh, that's cool. I don't know if you heard that, but uh, so that was good. Yeah, we, we need to do more diesel content. You drive what? Uh, you got a 5.9 outside? Uh, 5.9, and I have a 0659, both semi-built. Now, when you say built, you're talking about suspension or engine or both? Both engines are bone stock because California. But the now, wow, dude, hold on. Banks makes you could have a twin ram on your 5.9. We make intake and exhaust are both California legal. I could hook a brother up, you know, I can, right? Well, then in that case, let's go. <laughs> um, the 06 has basically everything on Thurin's website thrown at it. Um, whole bunch of suspension work. And By the way, Don, if you're listening, come on the show. Seriously, how many times do I have to re oh, reach out to you? That would be cool. And uh, have either been airborne? The 06 has been airborne a few times. Um, it's definitely left the ground. <laughs> now, on purpose or accidentally? Both. <laughs> of course. Okay. Um, the 06 is fun. I bought it used. Uh, I haven't done much to it. Um, I bought it as it is, but it's a fun truck. Can't, can't have... So you can't find five nines anymore. I mean, you can, but they are spendy. You guys want them? Oh, because you know, they're pre-emissions, right? Yep, yep. Hard to find them uh, stock and non-just uh, gone through. Unmolested? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There you go, that word. Okay. <laughs> I bought my 05 untouched from a grandpa. Um, had stock suspension, had stock everything, and I did everything to that one. What do you do here at Stiller, uh, Stiller by the way? I'm the 12-volt and accessory guy. <gasps> You're a 12-volt guy, man, after my own heart. Stereo, audio, video. Or are you working on lights? Uh, mainly lights here, but... That's uh, semi-cool. My 05 <laughs> has a decent sound system in it. Okay. <laughs> the 06 will eventually. Just got to find parts and pieces. I think I'm going to retire and go back into 12-volt. Yeah. Yeah. I worked at a place in L.A. that had, I think, 18 stores called Car Fidelity. They had some, I think they might have had one up in Sacramento way back in the 90s. Do they have Car Fidelity up here? I can't remember. Two dudes owned it, Ken and Sven. 
I mean, how can you forget those names? And uh, yeah, I worked front counter, and I, all I wanted to do was just buy the Alpines that were on the rack behind me. It's like, oh my God, I lusted after everything. Big speakers, biggest you could fit in there, and just the power as much to it. Oh, show. <laughs> all right, get back to work. Thank you. Later. And thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to hear that we're the number one truck enthusiast podcast in Sacramento, California. Uh, I'm going to go with that. All right. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right. You have an entire ream of paper over there on your side. Am I reading this pile over here? All right. Let's, uh, let's go here. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com is one way to find us or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. That's me or Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Frontier spotting is a subject line from Michael Carrera. Happy to see this new frontier when coming out of the grocery store. One would look really good in my driveway. Now to try to convince the wife to let it happen. Thanks uh, to you guys for making my workday a little more tolerable out on the road while making deliveries. Five stars. Is that the way uh, Matt Gamble is making uh, life uh, with his uh, fiance more tolerable? By moving uh, iron out of the uh, <laughs> side yard? He doesn't realize it, but um, she didn't bark any orders when uh, they were just like boyfriend, girlfriend. But now that they're getting married, she's like, Yeah. You need to move some metal. <laughs> That's what happens. <coughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, by the way, Michael uh, followed up with his address. So, Mike, I am going to send you some uh, Truck Show Podcast stickers. I think I have about 40 left out of the 1,000 I think I ordered. Uh, I got this one from uh, Shane Segalik. Segalik. I'm sure you're butchering that horribly. Yeah. You know, it's Shalah. Let's just call him Shane. <laughs> Shane. You tell me what's that? What's his name? All right. His last name is Segelk. Yeah, Segelk. That's Segelk. No better than Segelk. It is. Look, it's Segelk. Okay, Segelk. It is. Uh, light bulb. <laughs> That's hold, me. Hold on. <laughs> dim light bulb and Holman. No, he didn't say dim light bulb. <laughs> right here. You no, know he did not. Right here. Nope. I just came back. My buddy Segelk did not say uh-huh. that. Shane, I just came back today from an off-roading trip to Moab one day, and uh, tell we ride the next. I live in Denver, and made the four-hour drive to Grand Junction, where I stayed for this trip, and then made the two-hour drive to and from the junction each day to both places. The entire time driving on the highway, I spent listening to TSP episodes that I need to catch up on. Thank you. One of them was the episode with. Banana Ron. Oh, wow. I wanted to do Black Bear Pass and a Telluride, but we had so much snow this past winter, it's still closed, so I settled for taking Ophir Pass. In a f- uh, What's it called? Ophir Pass? Yeah, O-P-H-I-R. Ophir. Okay. Pass in off of a Million Dollar Highway, then took Imogene Pass out. I didn't listen to the episode with Banana Ron until I was on my way back home and got to the part of the banana coordinates when I was... No! Ten- no, no! Freaking minutes away from my house. I looked it up as soon as I parked in my driveway and found out that I was so close to where it's hidden. I would have gone looking for it had I known before. Oh, that would have been such a cool adventure. Yes, I'll have to go look for it next time I go wheeling. Anyway, he says, I have an idea for an official TSP event. We should have... I live, we. We. I love it. We should have a wheeling meetup for a few days in Moab. My idea for Moab is because the greatest off-road area on the face of the planet, any listener that can make it 
uh, can all meet up out there and spend a couple days wheeling together for it to be official. Both the hosts of the podcast would have to come out for it and wheel with us too. I already know that Lightning is saying, I'm not wheeling my full-size truck. <laughs> but I have a hitch. Now, did, did he have it, the lisp and all of yeah, it, like marbles in, in his mouth? It's in quotes. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. But I have a hitch device that will save your rear bumper from damage that I've seen on uh, the back bumper of a Raptor running on Hell's Revenge. And I've used to save my bumper. My Colorado ZR2, if you come out and wheel, I will make one for you. And not only will I let you use it to save your bumper in Moab, but I'll also let you take it home with you as a gift for coming out. Really? If you say no to wheeling the TRX, you can roll with me in my ZR2. I'll even do some of the spotting and let you drive. Yeah, buddy. Thanks again for the great podcast. Five stars and mounted parameter Shane. That's a lot of drops. Five star review. Five stars. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I am totally in. It just all depends on timing. If you can align the stars, Holman's busy schedule and my busy schedule, we're totally down. Uh, oh, this is uh, this is weird. This is a forward from a Banks Insider newsletter mm-hmm. from Trevor. That's awesome. Banks got a new PEMS, which is a portable emissions measuring system. But also, I wouldn't expect anything less. Rad. Now, can you just go ahead and spend some bank's company money on satisfying a personal curiosity of mine? (laughs) Sure, Trevor. I have always wondered, with today's crazy advanced emission systems on a diesel, like my 21 6.7 liter Ford, how do the actual measurements compare to other regular gas vehicles? There's a lot of Karens, or whatever Karen's husband's name is, who look at these big gas-guzzling environmental, killing, baby-smushing, tree-burning trucks as just that. What's the truth? Is a Honda Civic really that far off and emitting exponentially less? Maybe instead of charging the experiment to Lightning's tab, you can frame it like this. Imagine the YouTube clicks and marketing power if you were able to say, Banks emissions intact tuning produces less emissions than insert whatever toaster oven hippie car you can beat in emissions testing. So that's an interesting thought, Trevor. Let me tell you the bugaboo here. Oh, there's a bugaboo. Somewhere in the paperwork that you sign with the California Air Resource Board, as you're developing parts, you cannot claim that you are cleaner, that you emit less pollutants than stock. Isn't that bizarre? You can't. So although we could do it as a YouTube video and we could just say that like this particular truck may be cleaner than said Honda Civic, we can't compare parts and like, hey, banks made something cleaner than stock. That is against CARB's rules. And I don't want to say I, because I do have some theories as to why they won't let us claim being cleaner than stock, but I, I... I don't want to say those theories out loud. And can you actually be cleaner than stock, though? Yes, and we are you, you, often. You just can't advertise that you are. Dude, we can't get a lot of stock vehicles to pass the emissions that are put upon them, like they're um, borderline sh- out of from the factory. I shouldn't say more. I'm just saying that. There Why is there are, a guy with a crowbar showing up there, there at your are, house in a suit there, with dark glasses? There are cars and trucks that won't pass the emissions sticker the emissions group that's under the hood, basically, that was affixed to it when it rolled off the line at GM or Ford or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it. 
I don't know what oh, to you say got? here. No, I'm just you saying this like huge platform on the podcast to educate people. It's a great idea. Just gonna leave them hanging. I'm saying that it's uh, it it might become political. Well, I think you're past might on that one. Yeah, it's a great idea. I'll <laughs> give it some extra thought, Trevor, because I do think it would explode the internet. Hmm. hmm. Well, the the idea is let's go get somebody who can tell us about it. Can we get a Mr. X well, and do the voice changer? But he wants to do Gale. I mean, Gale's the perfect candidate to do it, right? And he can, he can explain. Like, no, no, I got it. What is it? I got it. You, you, what, you're, what you're not getting is we can black them out and give them a different voice. Oh, we can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be something like this. Hello, I'm Schmale Schminks, and I'm here to talk about California emissions. Okay. And they'll never figure out where I am. Or where I'm coming from, and I'm gonna spill the beans because I got nothing to lose. And so I want you to come at me, Carb. I'm gonna give up all your secrets. You don't mean anything. I'm going to unmask you, and we're gonna learn together because the Truck Show Podcast is awesome. Well, you can't do the bell. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> oh, wait, hey, take it off. <laughs> I'm saying that those are our capabilities here in the pod shed Uh is we can we can mask people. Carb ain't making it easy on us. uh, Poor little aftermarket. Oh, by the way, let me let me just also uh, note of note. Mm. A lot of people saw the EPA that they put their guidance in for the next five years and that they're not going after tuners as a aggressively as aggressively as a major component of their focus. Everyone on the internet took that as, oh, we're free, DPF, delete the world, woo! Uh, guys, A, it doesn't mean that, and B, they're still CARB. And CARB is not the EPA, and, well, and CARB's not going, oh, never mind, we're not th- doing that. Th- that's true, but CARB is not going to go into Texas. So really, if you're a, you're a Texan, you're in Idaho, Iowa, all those places, right, that might mean that there's going to be, it's not going to be the Wild West, but it is nice that they might relax a little bit. We'll see. I'm we'll not ready see. to uh, accept that as being reality. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, it'd be cool if it were. All right, Holman, you're up next. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Read it. Now you're picking up on my, uh, <laughs> my microphone. Lightning found a new bu- uh, button on the uh, uh, control board. I basically <laughs> found this months ago when we bought this new board and I played with it. And then Lightning is like, oh, look at what all these. <laughs> listen to you, oh, it's on mine. Listen to you giggling <laughs> as a robot. All right. Let's do this show uh-huh. as you as the... Yeah, yeah, I'll do yeah. that. Yeah, there we go. All wow, right. this is awful. <laughs> this is horrible. This is awful podcast. Let's see if we can get through this. All, All right, right, I'm ready. Go for it. You got to stop giggling, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's weird also in the headphones because I, I can hear my voice. There's a bit voice, of a delay. Yeah, it's hard. But it's not just the delay. It's that I can't hear my own voice. So the way to do it is, no, take one headphone off your right ear. But it's less funny. So I'm just going to get through it. (laughs) You're going to have to suffer. All right. Stephen Watson writes, Jay is right. Yep. It happened. I see significant problems counting fleet trucks as modified by enthusiasts. This is hard to listen to. In a strict sense, they're not stock, (laughs) so of course they're modified, and those parts were purchased from an aftermarket company. But I see a giant difference in motivation. The guy in charge of the accessories for a fleet of electrical contractors. Uh, man, I can't can't do this anymore. He's likely not lying awake at night thinking about what rack he's getting. Not that he doesn't care, but when the final product is a tool that will make money by the selection criteria and process are different uh, compared to the guy driving that truck during the day and dreaming about wheels and tires he wants for his own truck. 
Okay. No, wait, hold on a second. There are a lot of people that couldn't get through the whole muffled part where I disguised your voice. He was talking about Ford F 150s. No. 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 Mods. Mods. You weren't even listening. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's giving you props and saying that you shouldn't uh, uh, count fleet trucks as modified the same way as. No, you blah, shouldn't. Blah, blah, blah. But, that, but he's adding modified by enthusiast standards. We never said that. We said modified. But I had always meant modified by enthusiast standards. Semantics. It is semantics, and Uh, it matters. Anyway. Those matter. And by the way, I just sold a set of wheels and tires from my garage to a dude in a work truck who wanted to have wheels and tires on his work truck. So I count those. You should count that guy. But I'm not going to count the roof work. It was a yellow work truck that had the company logo on the side. Fine. He goes, I hate the steel wheels on my new truck. I want to have a nice set of wheels and tires. All good. Those are enthusiast upgrades. But a a headache rack is not. All right. Anyway. Says uh, the guy driving that work van could not give a bleep for anything in the automotive aftermarket and could uh, could in fact spend his free time finding ways to kill all vehicular fun. Yes, his vehicle is not stock, but we cannot look at the guy as one of us because of his ladder rack. This is a continuum with lots of mix-up in the middle, but differences are there. Sorry, Sean, you need to back her down a little on this one. This is uh, one parameter where Jay's running in the green and you're in the red. Yeah, let's see if we ever invite Stephen back on an operating <laughs> trip again. Uh, yeah, thanks, Stephen. Appreciate he, that. Because he backed me up. Yeah. Right. yeah. Enthusiast mods versus bah, 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 bah. mandatory mods. I said mods. Job. I said mods. I know, but it's too broad. No, it's not. The whole point is the truck leaves the factory. It doesn't matter if it's enthusiast or not. You're just doing it black or white. No. You know, like, listen, but the people that listen to our podcast. You listen. You listen because we have a lot of fleet people listening to the podcast. I know that. And there's mandatory mods they have to do. They got to put in a rack so they can, they're a plumber. They have to put shelving and yeah. stuff in their, in their, in their van, whatever. That's I modified no, vehicles. That's, that, no. Yes. I mean, te- obviously, technically, it is a modification. But we're an enthusiast okay. show. That's not the point. You're at, the- stop. You're adding things back that didn't exist. The initial notes. I meant from the get go. But it's what I meant from the get go. Time out. Time out. The original thing had nothing to do with enthusiasts or not. It was a percentage of vehicles modified, period. That's all. This whole discussion but, came out of that one conversation. But what I meant from the very first time I you should I have said it, it the very first time. You're right. I should because have said that. you did not set the, the table. So now you're bending the rules off of... We had a meeting of the minds, and then you went, oh, wait, we that never, doesn't make sense. No, we never met on the minds. Uh-huh. I always thought that you understood what I was saying. I do understand what you're saying, but that's not what the genesis of the conversation was. No, in the very beginning. The genesis of the conversation was percentage of vehicles modified. You're like, oh, it's like 10%. And what I was referring to is enthusiast modified. Either way, you're still wrong. So, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, except for Stephen Watson. All right, uh, I got one more here. Uh, This is from Trevor. (laughs) Go ahead. I thought you said he couldn't <laughs> deal with it that way. All right. It cracks me up. Uh, all right. This one, I, I usually don't read two emails from the same person uh, in an episode, but this one is, uh, it's just too, too befitting of this episode. So is it more about the uh, deficit? Uh, he says, uh, check out these unmodified trucks. And he sends me a photo of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight trucks. All right. So lighting, I'm going to hand you these photos. 
Yep. Trevor says... Oh, uh, these are all F-150s. No, they're not. No, uh, these are 250s and 350s. Look at all these totally unmodified trucks that are strictly work, and no one in the right mind would rubberneck one and say, that's rad. Oh, and definitely no one would spend any time dreaming, drooling, or planning something out like this because it's strictly work function with no heart or soul. Oh, and none of the guys I work with who have fleet-supplied vehicles take pride in their little not-modified modifications to their trucks. The color, make, or model of the toolbox is meaningless because it's just a tool, and the lumber rack is barely noticeable because whatever, right? I can't tell you how many times I rubbernecked my neighbor's unmodified, modified Ram and thought to myself, that's a great looking truck that someone just accidentally assembled with no thought or care to aesthetics since it's only a work truck. So he has captions for each of these photos. So uh, you follow the photos and I'll follow the caption. Sure. This is my own photo that I took. I definitely didn't think, wow, that's a badass rig. I should share this with my buddy who wouldn't appreciate or care because it's just a work truck. So that looks like a Ram driving away. It's got a uh, roof rack and I would assume some wheels and tires. Okay, he says the next one, uh, same with this one. Clearly the guy that owns it just treats it as a tool work truck and puts no thought into the non-modified modifications done to this truck. Yeah, by the way, uh, Trevor, f*** off, dude. This is not what I was saying at all. Also, actually, it's exactly what you were that saying. That is not what I was f- saying. Of, of the like five photos I took at KOH this year, I must have just taken this one by accident because it's only a work truck that's not cool or modified. Yeah, another work truck with wheels and tires on it. And suspension. It. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's got it's a it's a you got a utility uh-huh. bed on there. Sure. And here's another one. This is one that's of my a, dad's employees. Beautiful F two fifty that I would drive. He only completely stripped the trailer and equipment in the truck apart and cleans and paints them and has them neatly organized because he's forced to. Nothing to do with appearance or modifications. Nobody's allowed to look at this truck and get the same enjoyment they do from looking at the rock crusher. Uh, <laughs> next photo. I didn't turn around on a two lane highway because the non modified modifications of this truck caught my eye. I get. And it, then dude. the last one. I, I don't it. even know why this unmodified fleet truck is even in my camera. Roll. It's definitely not because I stopped to say that's a rad setup to the owner and save it for inspiration for my truck. Yeah. Hey, dickhead, here's the thing. <laughs> you know as well as I do that most fleet trucks are not uh, here we go. Are not no. enthusiast no. modified. We need a new segment called Lightning's Generalizations. And then every time Lightning just makes blanking general, uh, generalizations about everything, we'll add it to that segment. I've been doing this since I was a child, generalizing. But listen, <laughs> this is not what I was saying. You mean it's not unique to the show? This is not what <laughs> I was saying. <sighs> Truck show podcast at gmail.com. Most fleet vehicles, you know as well as I do, are not enthusiast modified. They don't Feels have like upgraded wheels and tires. They got a roof rack. They got a utility bed. They got a tray bed. They got whatever they got. They don't have car- a Carly kit on them. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. You and Steven should go hang out and drink beer together exactly. and commiserate. Because Steven knows what's up. What's up, Steven? <laughs> my boy. Trevor, kiss my you done? Yeah. It seems aggressive for a guy Dick. that was just pointing out hey, that you were wrong. Hey, Trevor, don't write us anymore. <laughs> Stop it. We don't need you as a listener. <laughs> really? Wow, that's how you treat ri- listeners who disagree? You cancel them? Straight up, dude. Wow. Hey, how's that Bud Light you're drinking over there? What's up with you, pal? I got plenty of haterade oh. over here to go around. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying to him? <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> Trevor, you're out. You're dead to me. Oh, man. All right, you guys. Love you, mean it. Bye. You know, I prefer to end our show by insulting our listeners. Not Trevor. You know I love you. I'm just kidding. Seriously, I appreciate your opinion. Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh.
send all opinions and angry emails to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or holman at truckshowpodcast.com or lightning. lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or you can go to our website truckshowpodcast.com or you can go to the five star hotline 657-205-6105 and uh, leave your angry voice listen I don't want to hear everyone's like I have a box fan and I got wheels and tires yes, and I got an want to hear from you with a tray bed or a dump bed and all this stuff like but you guys understand you oh, I know that in your soul you agree with me uh-huh. that most fleet fleet vehicles are not except they don't upgraded with bitching wheels and tires and why is suspension. it just wheels and tires and what? suspension you're not putting an exhaust pipe you know why not you, don't, you don't have any banks customers that have a that have a toolbox with a not nearly mon- as many as oh, I'd like not nearly as many they happen but I'm maybe, telling you it's a tiny tiny maybe number maybe they should you should cater to them we maybe sh- they don't know they don't do it because they don't own the vehicles are you, are usually are you really yelling over the bed yes. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm, I'm tired of why it's yelling. Can we just get on with the uh, the end of the show? Guys, uh, we need to hear from you. I know some of you have been sending in events. There's a lot of great events coming up in September we want you to know about, so uh, I'll go through them real quick. These are the ones that are on the website under our event tab right now, so truckshowpodcast.com event tab. Uh, this has been great because it's one of our highest traffic pages. I think you guys uh, are starting to get the word out that uh, we have events listed and people are, are seeking them out. So keep sending those to us, whether it's Cars and Coffee, a one-time deal, or a, a, a major recurring event. Uh, we got one uh, September 5th through 9th. It's the Bronco Super Celebration West, and uh, that's at the Buena Vista Rodeo Center. You've got September 8th through 10th. That's the Lifted Truck Nationals at Mid-America Outdoors. You've got uh, September 16th through 17th, the Grand National Truck Show at the Pomona Fairplex here in California. 21 through the 24th of September is the 8th Annual 70 Series Land Cruiser Meet and Greet, which sounds super rad, out at Windrock Park. And September 29th through 30th, the C10 Nats in Nashville at the uh, Nashville Super Speedway. So keep those events coming. And hey, one of the greatest things about it is the way Lightning has the page set up is not only can you see the dates and what it is, uh, but you can click uh, the register button and go directly to that event page so you can uh, register and get all the information. So please keep those dates coming. We've got uh, quite a few dates in October uh, and November um, also uh, filled out on the calendar. So I'm starting to get stuff for next year, like we already know Florida Truck Meet and some others. Um, uh, I think two weeks ago they announced Lone Star Throwdown, which I have to get up on the calendar, but I'll start filling those out too. Please do send those either to the general email inbox or send them directly to me. I know sometimes you guys send them on Instagram, but it's, it's hard, hard to keep track. Yeah, please it, email them to if us. If you can email them, it really does like do me a solid. So lightning at truckshowpodcast.com. And I, I do have like a bulk every like two weeks. I'll put a bunch more up. All right, and we got some in the queue. So if you don't see your event uh, up there, uh, it should be coming. If we miss something or it's coming close and it's not up there, please email us again. I feel like every get lost in the shuffle. Somewhere. Every state has a Jeep Jamboree of some sort, which I'll put them all up, dude. Yeah. If you send them to me, yes, send, yeah, send them our way. Uh, so lots and lots uh, going on on the event, and uh, feel free to share that page on your Instagram or on your social. Uh, just let people know, hey, here the truckshowpodcast.com uh, slash events uh, URL has a bunch of info, and let your friends know. So we appreciate it. We appreciate all. Of your support we appreciate our presenting sponsor nissan we love the frontier the titan the titan xd if you're looking for a rugged dependable awesome quiet riding road trip machine uh the titan is a a great choice And if you're looking for a mid-sized truck that can do it all go with the uh, nissan frontier you can look at those trucks at nissanusa.com you can build and price you can check out all the features that they offer uh, you can see how much they are all that good stuff or head on down to your local nissan dealership where uh, you can open the door and slam it and feel how solid those trucks feel 
take it for a test drive. At least put it on your list. If you are in the market for a truck, uh, go go test drive the Nissans because you might be surprised with what they offer. And if you're driving a Ram with a 6.7 liter Cummins turbo diesel and you're kind of freaked out about the grid heater failing, as we've talked about so many times, there are a couple ways of solving it. My favorite way, of course, a new engine. Monster Ram. Well, no, well, (laughs) that's if it you let it go too long. A new engine is bad, and the cheapest ones we've seen. If you're going to buy a brand new one like a crate, that's 27k. That's a lot of money for not repairing a little tiny stupid bolt. Bolt. I think it's like an M8. It's tiny. A thousand bucks to basically uh, save your truck. A thousand dollars will get you a monster ram. That thousand dollars doesn't just include the big, beautiful red, black, or natural aluminum casting. It also includes the high flow billet heater plate, which eliminates said factory grid heater comes with the fuel lines everything you need right down to the loctite if you've got an 07 and a half all the way to 2023 ram go to com. type in your year making model and grab one before it's too late all right well it uh, it's also too late on the show to do more because the show is four <laughs> hours long and uh, we have lives outside of the podcast believe it or not so so we are of course always excited to bring you more amazing truck show podcast content uh if you guys would do us a solid Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also tell your friends about it. We're really trying to get the show uh, to the next level and uh, we can't do it without you guys telling your buddies to listen what to it. What is the next level, by the way? Not yelling at listeners. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that level. Comfortable or capable? Comfortable. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast. Lighting, this is Trevor Nemoreau. F*** you. <laughs>